0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: All right, everyone, let's do this. Thursday afternoon, another gorgeous day in southern Manitoba. Great to have you with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with Michael Remus, the CTO, back at our WST Command Center. We've got another great show coming up for you. Lots to get to coming out of the playoffs in both the National Hockey League and the NBA the dogs were barking last night. Big upsets in both sports. We'll get to some of that. We'll be talking U.S. Open. They are on the course. Fog delay this morning was a bit of a buzzkill for anyone that got up early, looking for forward to tee off, but had to wait about an extra 90 minutes. But they are on the course right now. Weather's getting nicer. Course is toughening up and should be a great day for round one action at the U.S. Open. And of course, with it being in Torrey Pines in California, with that delay, We're going to get a big chunk of primetime golf tonight for uh, those of you that are catching us on the podcast on the way home. Um, Shout out to everyone that's with us live on YouTube, joining us every day. And of course, everyone that's making us a part of their day, listen to us after the fact on their drive home via Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Do us a favor, especially on Apple Podcasts, if you can rate and review, throw a five-star rating in there. Just a little blurb certainly helps us grow the channel and everyone with us here on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. Big thanks to our great family of sponsors: Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, PolicyMe.com, Boston Pizza, Aiken's Lake Wilderness Lodge, assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get Michael Remus in here to begin the program. I do want to mention we've got a couple of great guests. We will talk some hockey and much more with Ken Weeb a little bit later on in the program. And uh, with all the excitement about the return of the Canadian Football League, really looking forward to having Justin Dunk from 3 Down Nation join us in about 15 minutes or so. Remo, what's going on? Uh, Us, I'm here, ready to go. I'm just testing
2: out this new poll feature on YouTube. Uh, People have been asking about polls, and I can just do them in the chat right now. Uh, Let me just bring myself in. Hey, how are you? um hey, nice so i'm the first poll i've ever done, i just wanted to test it out should we do more polls 41 <laughs> 41 votes 85 percent yes 15 percent no who's voting no on that maybe they were just testing it out but maybe they're just not poll people yeah maybe they don't like polls i don't know but uh yeah we can definitely do i'm gonna end it now but the, the, overwhelming- the biggest
1: poll the biggest poll right now in manitoba is of course coming out of steinbeck the uh The Manliest Man Contest, which continues. Shout out to Gitch. Uh, I believe he's with us in the chat right now. If you haven't already, get over to Steinbach Online and throw a little support behind our guy, Sean L. By far the best photo of everyone that entered in. And it's funny, Reem, I I actually um, had a chance to talk with one of the fellows on... They called me, I think it was 107 Country in Steinbach. I'm not as familiar with many of the music stations being a sports nerd that's been on sports radio for the last 10 years. But did have a good chance. I guess they'll be playing it tomorrow morning on the uh, the morning show, uh, asking me my thoughts on the Manliest Man competition. Oh, and? Um, Yeah, well, <laughs> you'll have to listen to it too, uh, to find out. Um, and then a little bit of talk about the CFL and whatnot, but... Um like you said I mean the manliest man that is that's a dangerous topic to get into in 2021 I was surprised I that they so. went and again I don't even know whether it was serious to begin with but I think when you look at some of the photos I think people actually are serious about trying to be the manliest of all men in a you <laughs> know you know maybe we should blame Paul Maurice for all this you know it's all this talk about men and being men and uh, he's a man I think maybe that's what led to the Steinbach Online Manliest Man contest. Do, <laughs> it's from the coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Do other hockey teams talk about being a man
2: and gaining man strength as much as the Jets do? We had Cole or the Cole Perfetti was talking about how he's you know getting that man strength and he played against <laughs> men and. Pascal Vincent is talking about how you know some of these guys are growing into men and I don't know I hear the Jets I hear the Jets talk so much about uh being hey, a man. It's a
1: man's game. It's a man's game. I, it's not we, for boys. You know, are, you need to be uh you, 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 it's it's time to man. you know where they get the saying man up? Well, that's yeah. from probably the national hockey. League
2: are other teams talking about like
1: manning like being a man as much as the Jets are? Uh, I would say if we did a power poll of all team mentioning men throughout yeah. the season, I the Jets are for sure in the top 10 percentile of the league. Yeah. Uh, but you know we can't we cannot be for sure. I mean, all joking aside, I mean it is important to have you know fully developed men in your lineup. But we've seen this league get younger, and there'll be a lot of talk about young players on mm-hmm. the Winnipeg Jets and in the organization as we go into this very interesting off season. And we'll get to some of that with Ken Weeb coming up a little bit later on. Um, how about the Habs? Yeah, they did it last night. I mean, like, they were- <laughs> there will not be a sweep. There will not be the sweep, sweep, sweep on the way to the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I'll tell you what, Montreal. Um, they, they get that first goal, and they're in a completely different hockey team. And well, they're not different. They're exactly what we saw, you know, in four games against the Jets and coming back against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I have to say, Reem, I mean, we talked so much about the starts that had sometimes been problematic for Winnipeg. Uh, It hasn't been good for Vegas. I mean, Montreal was the better team for the first 12, 13 minutes of game number one. And last night, I mean, they outshot them 12-4 and finally got rewarded with a couple goals. And I think the Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets will be more than happy to tell the Vegas Golden Knights that, Uh, You know, not showing up for the first 10 minutes of the game and getting behind against the Montreal Canadiens. Not a good way to try to uh, grind through to the next round of playoff action. Yeah,
2: and I didn't even realize they played a game. All the talk on social media was about Jeff Petrie. Uh, You know, we heard his hand in that camera hole in the Jet series. Um, Who knows what kind of pain he was playing through. But it appeared to be a lot because everyone posting the GIF of his eyes, which were completely bloodshot. I know that his kids were joking that he was the villain and they were playing like superheroes. A lot of jokes <laughs> going on us about, uh, you know, being in Vegas and getting red bloodshot eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, there were so
1: many Vegas jokes. Um,
2: <laughs> I don't know if it was reaction to medication or some speculating that they had to pop his finger back in and he broke some blood vessels from uh, just being able to handle the pain. I don't know, but it was definitely weird and it got me thinking like you know, we saw the Montreal media's reaction to Mark Shifley after the hit. I mean, what if Shifley came out with eyes like that? Oh. I can only imagine. I mean, he's the number one villain in the NHL now. So we'll yeah, to know, I mean, and so it, Jeff, it, yeah, it was all everyone was kind of like joking about Jeff Petrie, <laughs> but there wasn't really like the outrage.
1: Yeah, well, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, I have a feeling that some of the wackos in the Montreal media that were suggesting that Mark Shifley was on something uh, weren't saying the same thing about Jeff Petrie. And Listen, credit to Petrie for getting back in the the lineup. and I believe they said it was somehow related to his injury, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to do it. Regardless, he looked absolutely bizarre last night, and yes, you were right. If you took a look at social media and were just wondering what was happening in the Montreal Canadiens-Vegas Golden Knights game, you wouldn't have seen goals, you wouldn't have seen hits, you would have seen 100 different pictures along with accompanying bad jokes about Jeff Petrie's double bloodshot
2: eyes. I'm happy to make a couple bad jokes, but uh, he he played. He got on the board. Um, you know, good for Montreal. You know, uh, Carey Price. There was a couple sequences there where he made some unbelievable saves. And Vegas, I think th- I think it was Martinez thought he had scored at one point. Uh, Blake Wheeler knows that feeling pretty well, raising his hands in the air. So <laughs> not the f- not the first time it's happened against uh, Carey Price in the playoffs. So uh, Vegas shouldn't feel too bad about that but it was a pack crowd a lot of people also talking about these intros that uh, Vegas is doing for their games just bringing it to another level we saw it in the 2018 I think they're you know, so good you'd actually like want to tune in like early for a game maybe like the only time ever where you'd be like oh I gotta see what's going on here and um what a great uh what a great thing to have a franchise in Vegas and packed house there at uh was is it? Is it two mobile arena there's I'm trying to there's too many arena names. Yeah, team, too many. It's, t-
1: it's still T-Mobile yeah. Arena, okay. I believe. It's just the Jets and, uh, one
2: that changed, not yeah, yeah, every other Canada one.
1: Yeah, Canada Life Arena. Yeah, okay. Canada Life Arena. I can't Cent- remember centers. what it used to be called. It's the center. Yeah, centered. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, Hack, I've been screwing up a lot of things lately. It, yesterday, when we were talking about the CFL season, and I know we put out that clip that's got a lot of feedback, which is great. It just shows how excited a lot of people are to get CFL football back and get back out to the stadiums. But I, in the same clip, referred to the Bombers' uh, home field correctly as IG Field. And then 15 seconds later, called it Winnipeg Stadium. No idea where that came from. And uh, also was trying to talk about capacities and said 50,000 fans instead of 50% of fans, which may have confused people. But at the end of the day, the idea was what was important in all of that rant Mm -hmm. and that idea is that if we continue trending in the direction that we are and people continue to take up the vaccines, we're going to get to a spot where we can get back to 50% fans, hopefully in time for the opening game of the season, and then come Labor Day long weekend, 100% capacity is the goal as per the 4 3, 2, 1 Great Summer plan that we heard about last week. And of course, that would mean, by my calculations, Banjo Bowl first time we could fill that stadium and as i said yesterday on the program remus i think every bomber fan would love nothing more than that sold out game to be the time that we uh celebrate the 2019 champions before hopefully another classic game between the two great rivals in the the western division the bombers and riders yeah i've
2: seen pictures on social media people lining up i know benny and uh benny that's the uh jets mascot and mickey moose Handing out some uh, Jet swag to people in line. So uh, we're getting there. We're getting close. Uh, this is pretty pretty awesome. Well, Larry Bong says they should not call it a policy me field. Yes, we'll, we'll policy see. me
1: field. We like it. That avoid Larry. We, Supporting the WST sponsors. That's what I'm talking yeah, about.
2: Yeah, we will see. So we're getting there. And someone re- retweeted your uh, little solilo- soliloquy there and wrote goosebumps. And uh, I do get it. <laughs> I mean, I get uh, good. When I got my first shot, I was like just dreaming of uh, being able to, you know, do something like play hockey again, which I haven't played for a year. But uh, we're not, uh, you, know, you know, we'll get there soon. So uh, it's very exciting. You know, we're going to be talking with Justin Dunk shortly about the upcoming CFL season. And uh, that, because, you know, we didn't have CFL last year. So we are looking forward to that. <laughs>
1: Um, so great stuff, and shout out to everyone that's with us in the chat. Dallas Paul's giving a shout out to Steinbach. Um, a gitch is here. Yes, second place in the manliest man competition. Get there, vote for Sean L. Uh, shout out to Wayne Jones. Great to see Wayne here. Uh, Mark Sports Video as well, Jeff Kabilis. Now there was somebody. Oh, Dennis Ferreira! Shout out to Dennis. How special! Put a live bet on Belgium once Denmark scored. Tidy little thirty bucks. One nice work, Dennis. Um, yeah, we'll get to the Euro in just a second. We've got one more game today. Two in the books already. And Remus's mute button with a couple. Rod Brindamore just about to talk to that and uh, mentioning that weed is legal. Hustler, wow. well aware of that, my friend. Remus's mute button, well aware of that. All right, um. So listen, just before we get to Brindamore Ream, um, Habs, obviously a huge win. Series goes back tied. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Vegas was a massive, massive favorite in the series and still don't see a series line for that. Maybe the bookies a little shook about Montreal's big win last night. Um, That being said, Tampa Bay seems to be in a much better spot than they were after losing game number one. But I got to tell you, they are going to be going into about as hostile a building as we've seen since fans got back into any building, and that, of course, is the madness that's going on in the Nassau County Coliseum as the Islanders are back in the Final Four again.
2: Yeah, we had thought last series would maybe be the last game there, but it just keeps going on. They're opening that new arena soon. I've seen some pictures online, but Barry Trotz, can they keep you know this lockdown D? And they do have some you know dynamic offensive players like Matt Barzell. Well, that's that's gonna be fun uh a fun one tonight and then also you know got vegas going back to montreal i'm kind of i don't know with the number of fans but they had a decent number it was a five thousand here before there before maybe it'll be better so uh you know one one in each series so wow uh, could we see like dual seven game I,
1: I think I, i'm here for it yeah. i'm here for it i mean i, I think we've had and we haven't had a ton of great game seven action so far in the playoffs. I mean, we had the one in the Montreal and uh, Toronto game, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And I mean, there hasn't been uh, a lot, obviously, Vegas, Minnesota in the first round. But I mean, other than that, it's been quite, um, it's been a lot more, you know, shorter series than we have longer ones. Uh, the other big story today, outside of the hockey, and we'll talk more about this with Ken coming up. Hot Rod the Bod has a three-year extension in Carolina with the Hurricanes. And I know we talked yesterday after Gerard Delon signed on with the Rangers that LeBron and some of the insiders said that that's probably a pretty good idea that things seem like they're about done with Rod Brindamore in Carolina. But I wasn't entirely sure about that. I mean, Tom Dundon has a rep for being cheap when it comes to, um, you know, non-player salaries. And I wasn't sure whether he were going to get something done. There certainly would have been incredible demand for Brindamore around the league. Um, so I hope Rod got a nice raise because he certainly deserved it. Sounded like he was taking care of the assistants and some of the trainers with new deals for them too. Hell of a team player. Um, but he really is the heartbeat of the Carolina Hurricanes. It's hard to imagine that team without Rod Brindamore behind the bench.
2: Yeah, I agree. Rod's been there for such a long time. They've had so much success. You want to keep that going. You know, last year they didn't go to the first round. This year, you know, they keep, they keep getting matched up against, uh, those Boston last year, this year against Tampa. You know, the team that's, what, 18 million over the cap or whatever Dougie Hamilton said. So I like what Carolina's doing. I think, well, kind of, they got the big free agent in Dougie Hamilton. We'll see where he goes. They've given him permission. But I mean, Rod, uh, you know, as a player, he was known as like the fittest guy. And I think he's a a player we saw that video that, that, you know, the guys on his team want to play for. uh, They look up to He's got a lot of uh, that experience. So I'm a big, uh, big Rod guy. Uh, So I like it for Carolina.
1: Brindamore is still better in better shape than probably 85% of the National Hockey League. I mean, the guy's an absolute machine. It's incredible. And um, I'll tell you what, and I mean, I think a lot of the credit goes to the way the Canes sort of run their organization, the access they give to their social media people, and of course, the success they've had on the ice through the playoffs, so people are really paying attention to what the Carolina Hurricanes are doing, because you don't see them a lot in the regular season. But man, I mean, you want to talk about goosebumps, some of those speeches that Rod Brindamore has given to his team. I mean, you know, you're just average Joe fan and you're ready to run through a wall after watching it. So um, listen, they're out They had a real tough run, you know, getting bounced by the by the lightning. But I'll tell you what, the Hurricanes are on the come up and a big, big part of their future stays put with a three year extension for head coach Rod yeah. Brindamore. <laughs> And uh, I guess the other
2: thing, Seattle and Ron Francis as the GM, they're still looking for a head coach. We thought maybe they'd hook up again. They're going to still going to be searching. So uh, that's another one we're going to be watch for coaching vacancies.
1: Yeah, a couple big names off the board when it comes to the uh, coaching carousel. I guess one that was potentially going to be in the mix and Brenda Moore and jared Gallant who had that great run with Canada at the World Championships now officially the head coach of the New York Rangers. We'll talk some more hockey a little later on. We'll also get to the U.S. Open round number one underway today at Torrey Pines and Euro 2020. Uh, a couple games in the books from this morning. Uh, we had Denmark going up early over the um, the Belgians. Belgium came back, tied it up as Dennis Vera won that bet, 2-1 for Belgium, and earlier today, Mighty Ukraine. A lot of Ukrainians in the city area, I'm sure, pretty fired up. Ukraine got it done against North Macedonia. Big win and three points for the Ukrainians this afternoon. Uh, Netherlands back on the pitch, I believe, against Austria. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. We're going to talk some CFL in just a second with Justin Dunk, a three down nation. Uh, before we do that, and we had a couple nice mentions of Policy Me in the chat for people that have been with us. Policyme.com, our newest sponsor which is an online life insurance fee allowing Canadians to buy term life insurance in minutes, 100% online and at the most affordable price. Um, listen, I, I don't need to tell you, I mean, the thought of buying life insurance is probably right up there with things like going to the dentist. But like going to the dentist, it's important and you need to do it, especially if you have a family, if you have loved ones, if you have investments in things like a house. What happens if something happens to you? You need to be able to pay those bills and take care of your loved ones. But the entire process has always sucked. I mean, uncomfortable meetings, long periods of time to figure out if you're approved. Policy me takes care of all of that online you don't even have to talk to anyone in person affordable rates averaging 10 to 20 percent lower than other insurers in canada you'll get an instant decision i mean literally you go to the website you'll 15 minutes fire out a little bit of information answer a few questions you'll find out almost immediately instead of waiting weeks like most other companies and most people don't even require a medical exam and the bottom line is it's easy it's straightforward it's fast it's online. What traditionally took weeks and involved confusing paperwork and insurance jargon, now is done at about 15. About the time it takes to listen to one of our guests pop on on Sports Talk Winnipeg. So, go to PolicyMe.com. Do it. This is not something you want to procrastinate on. Uh, you'll find out what your options are. You'll find out what your rates are. And uh, you can get it done and be able to sleep at night and move forward that you and your family are taking care of. PolicyMe.com. And when you're there, do us a favor. Make sure you Tell them that you heard about them when you're asked via the podcast. Um, also, speaking of Euro, and we will talk more a little later on, we fired out yesterday the uh, incredible new Euro kits that we've got down at Royal Sports right now. Now, I'm going into Royal Sports to get some disc golf gear for the weekend. I had a friend that just went and picked up a bike. You can't get over around that incredible new expanded fitness section or the camping gear they've got. But being a merch guy, especially around these big soccer tournaments, love going into Royal and seeing what they've got. You can see them there on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. France, Spain, Germany, Portugal, all the big teams of the Euro, as well as the top stars in the world from there. Home clubs, nowhere better to do that. And uh, if you're into that stuff, maybe book a little bit extra of a time because you won't believe all the incredible stock they've got at Royal Sports, King Skate, and Own Surf, 750 Pemina Highway. And you can also check the other spot in East Kildona. And of course, Father's Day is coming up. Big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. It's blizzard season. I know you want to get a jump on that. I guess they got a girl guide cookie blizzard that's just out, along with the Kit Kat and the drumstick, my favorite. But let's face it, it's about dad this weekend. And I don't think that there's anything that could add to the festivities more than a DQ cake. Uh, all four locations have a ton in stock right now. The Northgate sells as many as almost anywhere in Canada. Um, but you can pop by there, get it in person at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, or St. Anne's. Um, and even easier, folks do it in advance. Fire them a, a tweet or a message on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba, and give them a follow. Uh, you can get it all set up, hundreds of different kinds, or a custom one for Dad, and then pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. So, get online. You can go to DQCakes.com if you want, but I'd suggest go to their Instagram page, at DQ Manitoba, and get ready and get Dad one of those delicious DQ Cakes for Father's Day this weekend. All right, let's get to it. I Anyone that's watched the show this week knows that I'm fired up. We got the good news on Monday, officially green light for the CFL season and uh it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in the brains of Three Down Nation along with our pal John Hodge. It's Justin Dunk in on Winnipeg Sports Talk. JD, what's going
0: on? It's great to have you on the program same hustler man i'm jacked up for some football just like you buddy
1: oh yeah you know what it's um it's been a great week there's been a lot of really bad weeks especially if you're involved or love the canadian football league like uh, the two of us but um here we are how are you feeling going into monday i mean was this a slam dunk or were you like me going listen considering everything that we've been through i'm just going to couch it and wait till we hear what they say but obviously hoping that we'd get some good news
0: Well, I was hoping it would be the pun off my name, a slam dunk, as he said, but I was cautiously optimistic based on what I had heard around the league. And the reason I thought it was gonna be a yes vote is because you heard about staffs mobilizing, not just the coaching staffs and the football operations, but behind the scenes, the medical staffs, the training staffs, the business been told to operate just as if the season was gonna go ahead, hustler. So to me that's why I had a positive vibe going into it. But as you know, just like in the CFL game, it ain't over until it's over
1: well and you know it officially was over when we found out that it was unanimous um i mean you and the guys have been doing a great job you know throughout these past few months updating fans and people around the league as to what you're hearing from the different markets um i mean we know here in the prairies i mean people are fired up they would have been you know at a game in february if you know they would have had it just because of where we're at and everyone wants to see and welcome the great cup champs back but listen, Southern Ontario was a real, I mean, particularly Toronto, not really Hamilton as much, um, a, a real issue spot. Uh, what What's the latest on the Argos situation right now, the, the future going forward for the Argos with their ownership group? And um, was there any question that they wanted to play this season?
0: I certainly think there was some question there, and it was fair. I will say, to balance it out a little bit before we kind of start bashing the Argos here, that Bill Manning... Was not a part of the P- player relations committee in 2020 when they tried to get the Hub City season off the ground in Winnipeg, but he joined the PRC and the PRC is essentially the committee that the league has that starts the discussion with the players over the CBA. So they had to make amendments to it. So Bill Manning was on that at the end of 2020 and into 2021. So I certainly think that helped. But in reality, the big scope of things, as much as CFL people don't want to hear it, MLSC. Has much more other bigger pressing priorities that actually really generate you know millions of dollars of income. They have obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Raptors right at the top, and then MLS, the Toronto FC team, has really I think overtaken the Argos in the market in terms of fan attendance. TV ratings is a much different story, but I do think they like having the Argos a part of their portfolio. But it's well down the list. Let's say for example, the Leafs right now are paying Mike Babcock less to not coach for them than the entire, sorry, I should say, they're paying Mike Babcock more to not coach for them than the entire Argos salary cap. So it's way down the list for them. And I think what they view in terms of the XFL discussions is the opportunity for them to potentially actually make some money off the Canadian Football League. I will say overall, though, I still think whether it's MLSE or somebody else, that if you can get the crowd there that it's possible to rejuvenate the Argos there. It just needs to be, and I think the league overall, kind of re-overhauled and be viewed as a cool league, not a minor league one.
1: No, I I couldn't agree with you more. Let's just kind of move on to that because, you know, I've been talking you know about it here on the program for the last couple days. And, you know, it's impossible to talk about the CFL in the start of the season without speaking in the world we live in right now and everything that they've been through. And we knew it could have been a death knell for the league to go through another season not playing. Now that they are coming back, uh, really just at the time when it seems like our provinces, most provinces, are going to be able to loosen restrictions and bring fans in, Uh, especially in some of the markets. Let's focus on Toronto. Let's focus on on Montreal. Um, I don't know. I'm optimistic that I think they might be able to get a whole bunch of new people that maybe would never have even considered going to a CFL game before. It wasn't really on their radar Because, Justin, the fact of the matter is no one's been able to do anything for a year and a half. And, I mean, listen, it's going to be in the middle of summer, beautiful ballparks, outdoors. I mean, listen, if it's marketed well, I I do believe that I think there could be, listen, at least an initial resurgence. And the hope would be that maybe you can turn some more people into regular fans, knowing what they've been missing out on all these years.
0: I agree, man. And to be quite honest, Hustler, just get Drake to go to the first Argos home game of the year. (laughs) And people will flock there. I know it sounds silly. He's a Raptors ambassador, but just pay him whatever you got to to get him there. Because in Toronto, for the uninitiated, where BMO Field sits just across the road is Budweiser Stage, where they have concert after concert after concert in the summer. And they're all sold out. So people are literally walking right by BMO Field. And you have this area of young people called Liberty Village that is right there, literally Young kids look out, have a good time, spend their money, probably buy a few brown pops and have a good night, right? It can be part of that. And I totally agree. Maybe people stop taking it granted that it's right there. And potentially, we don't know what's going to go on exactly with the border, but it doesn't seem like people are in a rush to go and travel outside of the country. So maybe, as you said, if it's branded in a cool way, and I'm dead serious, man, get Drake there and the people will show up. Do it once. Show me have a good time, put on an event, and make it not so much about the football. We know the football is great, but your average person just wants to have an entertaining time.
1: Well, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, to be honest, I mean, just speaking from personal experience here in Winnipeg, I mean, moving from the old stadium to IG Field, um, I'll give Wade Miller a ton of credit for this. I mean, he gets it as far as what the fan experience should be about. Um, they didn't like before, I mean, literally tailgating wasn't just discouraged. I mean, it was not allowed, uh, in most of the places around there, very different story here in Winnipeg. And, you know, I can tell you, I mean, my love, I mean, I'm a huge chiefs fan. I mean, 25 years ago, I went down to Arrowhead and, you know, there's 50,000 people grilling and having (laughs) beers before the game. And I'm like, this is as good as the game is. And that sort of an entire game experience honestly was something I think the CFL was really missing for a long time. And certainly in Winnipeg, it's developing at you go to Saskatchewan, you'll see some folks doing that. And the more and more you can expand the game day experience around the actual 60 minutes of football. um, To me, the more new people you'll get involved and the more people you'll expose Mm -hmm. to it and, I think once people do that and, you know, go through a full day of having some fun with your friends beforehand, going and see a great game, they'll be like, that was awesome. Let's do that again. Or maybe let's become regulars.
0: Totally agree, man. And I've seen it in Hamilton. I'm a sports anchor there on the weekends at the TV station at CHCA. And when I talk to people at the station, to varying degrees, there's Ticats fans there. Diehards, all the way down to the casual fan. And they'll say, really, the new setup at Tim Hortons Field, that is kind of similar to what you mentioned Wade Miller has created at IG Field with the Rum Hut, that there's these areas. Now, it's going to have to be done safely with COVID around, obviously, but at Tim Hortons Field, you have these gathering areas. So you have all these different avenues for fans to enjoy the game. I referenced Ottawa a while ago in saying that it has become the place to be on a summer night in the nation's capital and it becomes a part of your night, right? You're heading out for a good time with your friends. You can go out of the stadium and come back in there if you want to at halftime. And we all know that district they've created there around TD place. So to me, that's what the CFL needs to embrace more. and more. we know it's great football, but your average fan wants to have a great time and make it part of their night out. So you go and have dinner. Hey, they're playing some football beside you while you're hanging out with your friends, and then you can continue on with whatever places you're going to visit as the night hours go on.
1: Oh, Justin Dunk with us from Three Down Nation, getting ready for CFL season kickoff is the fifth of August. Bombers and Ty Cats right here in the Peg at IG Field. You know, Dustin, just for today, I mean, just like with all the optimism going in, I'm not even going to bother getting into everything that we've been through with the future of the league going forward, because I think that's, those are stories that will develop over the course of this season. We'll find out more. Um, because right now, really, the job is for every one of these teams to, to get back on. I mean, I know you speak with people around the league. Uh, listen, they've been planning for this for really the last year plus to get back to get back to business at some point. That being said, I can't imagine how much work there is to do from the teams and not just football operations, but business operations, getting ready to host fans after not having games for, well, over a year and a half.
0: There's lots to do. Like you said, it's kind of going a mile a minute in front offices right now because we had this pause and this lull where even people on the business side, and you mentioned it, Hus, that they haven't been up to speed, so to speak. So I think all of us, I mean, even us in the media got to get used to having a season again. And that natural, let's say flow of the week that we're used to is gone because we haven't had games around again. So, you know, talking to mostly coaches and players and football personnel, people around the league has been really busy just even trying to get the travel booked. And a lot of us think of, let's say, a general manager and Kyle Walters there in Winnipeg, for example, being this sexy position, but, You have to deal with all of these things. And then now on top of it, you not only just have to worry about getting your guys there into Winnipeg and on proper flights and all the rest, but you got to make sure that the testing is followed and all of the safety protocols are down to a T so that you don't have COVID come in your building. So certainly lots to do.
1: Um, l- listen, for people listening on the podcast or joining us live on YouTube, if you're not already making three down nation, uh, a regular visit and make it part of your sports bookmarks, you should do that right now. It's certainly part of mine. And hey, listen, before we talk about the league as a whole, you've got an interesting piece up on the site of um, bombers and riders discussing joint practices during 2021 training camp. Tell us more about this. Justin sounds like there's the potential right. for
0: mayhem. get all those frustrations out from the pandemic man (laughs) so I do think it's something that is definitely being talked about right now and I don't want to get ahead of myself but I could see happening sort of later in July right we know training camp is going to start on July 10th so after the teams have gotten back and had a few practices to get their football legs back under them so to speak that the sense that I get is it could take place from Regina don't hold me to that just yet but we know the public health conditions are much more favorable. The Premier most that he wants to have full capacity for the Riders' home opener on August 5th. So it makes a lot of sense that the Bombers could just hop on a bus, you know, travel six hours, old school style, go to Regina. And as you said, have a few dust-ups with the Riders before it counts.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, I mean, just with the, the delays and the missed season, even a practice scrimmage between the Bombers and Riders would probably get people in both Manitoba and Saskatchewan ridiculously excited for something. It's not even a preseason game, but Hey, listen, I'm, uh, I'm here for it. Um, as far as the league goes I- itself, um, I've, you know, it's a unique situation here in Winnipeg. Of course, they won the great cup. They were planning on trying to run it back with much of that same core, which is still intact a year later. Um, I think Winnipeg might be the exception more than the rule. How different is this league going to look since the last time we saw most of these CFL teams on the field?
0: It could be vastly different. And that's because I think there's some potential surprise retirements to come and even in training camp when we get there, I really think it's going to show through who's been working out this entire time and who hasn't, and who are the young guys that might emerge. So I think by the time we get on the field on August 5th, there could be a lot of turnover. And you mentioned it. Winnipeg has done a solid job of keeping their continuity there. Obviously Paul Apelis leaves on the offense and that's a major storyline. And the Bombers, you know, arguably are still looking or would like a receiver to emerge as a legitimate let's say CFL all-star caliber receiver, but the rest of that defense is back. Zach Caleros is there who provided great leadership. And of course, Andrew Harris as well. So I think in other pockets across the league, there are intriguing storylines. Everyone's kind of picking Ottawa to finish dead last, but it's never that easy in the CFL hus right? It doesn't just play never. out that way.
1: No, no, it certainly doesn't. And, and I think that maybe this year more than any ever before, um, there's so much more intrigue and mystery because, I mean, even the players that we remember that might have been at their best in 2019, where are those players now? How did they weather during the pandemic? I talked to Adam Big Hill yesterday, and, you know, for a veteran like that, he said, I've never felt this good ever, just because it's been that long since he's been blowing guys up on the field. So there could be some benefits, but I do sort of have a feeling, Justin, that, You know, we'll get to the seven-game mark of this season, which will be midway of a 14-game year, and be looking at CFL leaders in a number of categories. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if there's a whole bunch of names that, as of right now, are far from household names and many of them could even be new players to the Canadian Football League because we know the talent factory that is U.S. college football. We know how important it is for jobs. We know there are some guys that maybe have moved on from football during the pandemic, which creates more opportunity for new younger players to turn into CFL stars that we just don't know who they're going to be.
0: Totally agree. And the other note to sort of tie this together is that, There are players that don't want to necessarily come out and put the paperwork in and say they're retiring because they might have to give some money back. So those players might just be surprise no-shows, let's say at training camp, go on the suspended list. And I'm all for it. Hey, players can get cut at any time, but they might just not show up, which might lead to more opportunities to what you're talking about for younger players to step up.
1: Justin Dunk with us here from 3Down Nation, talking CFL. What stood out to you about the the schedule other than a Grey Cup rematch on opening night. What a great way to get things going.
0: Man, you have to love that. We the quirks in there, right? And it's been a little bit talked about in Winnipeg that the Bombers don't face the Red Blacks and Paul Apelis and Matt Nichols. But looking at it more, Edmonton doesn't play BC in Edmonton, which I thought was kind of funky considering we're trying to keep the travel down or tapered as much as you can with COVID-19. And the Red Blacks having to games like right? they got a Tuesday game a couple Wednesday games obviously it's going to be tricky to put together because some of the dates might not be available at other stadiums but those were what really stuck out to me most Huss. and I'll say this what I'm having a hard time understanding and we mentioned the Bombers and Riders rivalry we know how deep it runs the Argos and the Ticots are playing four times the Red Blacks and the Alouettes are playing four times because that's just a bus ride away and it also saves money why aren't the Bombers and the Riders playing four time? I'd be real curious to ask Craig Reynolds that or Wade Miller or Trevor Hardy, the guy that makes a schedule at the league office, because I would have thought that would have been chewing.
1: Yeah, well, the bottom line was I looked the first thing we knew Knuckles had reported that it was going to be bombers Cats for game number one. So it was quite easy to open up the schedule week one. All right, check. The next thing that I think every Bomber fan did was quickly shoot down to that Labor Day weekend and make sure that Winnipeg was going to Saskatchewan and then Saskatchewan was coming back here. And As I talked about yesterday on the program, I mean, you know, with where we are at right now with vaccinations and this plan that the government's put forward, that if we get to particular thresholds, the key dates are July long weekend, August long weekend being to get to 50% capacity, which would mean 50% for that opening game. But 100%, if the thresholds are met, would be Labor Day weekend. And that, of course, would mean, Justin, that the Banjo Bowl could be a full house. And Wade Miller said that they're not going to celebrate the 2019 championship until they can have a full house. Um there is absolutely no better scenario for Winnipeg fans than, you know, to invite a few friends from Saskatchewan to come in and watch that banner go up right before they go at it in a in a full house. And that atmosphere, um, like to me, that is what the CFL needs to show around. I mean, you know, those games... When you have a full house with that sort of rivalry, the amount of fun that happens in the stadium before, during and after, that to me is the is the highlight of the CFL year. Really, those two weekends, at least for people here in the prairies. And uh, man, if you could add in that Grey Cup celebration and the first official return to normalcy with the full house, um, to me, that is what would be uh, that's the perfect scenario right now for us going forward, at least here in this province.
0: Buddy, that would be awesome to see, and I totally agree with you. That Labor Day weekend is so special, and I think that's why, you know, my neck of the woods in Ontario, the Ticats wanted to host the Argos as their first home game, so they create that hype, and the Bombers looking to try to do that with their first full-pack stadium. You almost wonder, is Wade Miller whispering in the ear of Brian Pallister and saying, you know, maybe just hold off a little bit so the first one can time up with the banjo bowl?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I'm sure Wade would want to pack as many as he can soon. We all know what the situation of these clubs are in money-wise. But I'll tell you what, if that's the way it worked out, I think everyone around here would take it. Um, At least we've got a bit of an idea, some goals to move forward to. We're sort of behind everybody else. I mean, we're still essentially locked down right now. We don't have patios open or anything like that. So we're hoping that changes soon. And these will be things that we can can look forward to. From a football standpoint, I I know you and John, you know, all year have been talking about, you know, the big stories in the league but also about these teams going forward how difficult is it this year as opposed to other years to sort of handicap even give preseason power poll predictions because of the length of time these teams have been off and the uncertainty of really what the rosters are going to look like on opening night
0: it could be real tricky especially as you referenced earlier if we have a bunch of young players that pop into prominent roles here for me When I look at that overall and trying to prognosticate, we know it never really goes according to any of our picks, unless there's maybe some money down on it, maybe a better chance there. But overall, I look at the continuity, right? So I think in Winnipeg, you have a large core of that defense back and then kind of build out from there in the West. Calgary has all of their coaching staff back for the most part of the major factors of it. And Bolivar Mitchell's a quarterback. So we know that he's healthy. We know the stamps are going to be a factor. That is a proven fact. I'm real curious to see how it comes together in Edmonton with Jamie Elizondo, a first time head coach. Has a familiar face there, quarterback and Trevor Harris, but a new staff and a bunch of new pieces there. Same could be said in BC. You have Rick Campbell, who initially came in there, thought he was going to be the head coach, adds co GM to his title, Neil McAvoy in that co GM role as well. And Mike Riley, to be quite honest, with people saying around the league, well. It used to be if you had Riley, you knew you were making the playoffs right away. But the last couple of years, that hasn't happened for the franchises he's been with. So they need to show that they can bounce back. And out in Hamilton, I think along the similar lines as Winnipeg, they've kept the continuity as well in those key positions. Orlando Steinhauer is still the head coach. Tommy Condell, the offensive coordinator. Mark Washington, the defensive coordinator. And they had the best and defense in the league in 2019 Whooped everyone in the regular season at fifteen and three, but we know what the Bombers did to them in the Grey Cup. So they have Jeremiah Masoli at quarterback and Dane Evans, and to me, that's going to be really intriguing to see how that plays out in twenty twenty one and what it means for those guys in the future. Because both of those quarterbacks in the last year of their deal, and I should quickly hit on Montreal as well. Vernon Adams is back, but an entirely new management staff around him with Danny Machoche as a general manager, hitching his wagon. To Vernon Adams Jr., Kahari Jones is still there. So you think the offense could stay intact? And then obviously everybody's curious what's going to happen in Ottawa and how much can Paul Appelice change the direction of that franchise?
1: Yeah, you know, the uh, Lapo, I mean, just back to the schedule for a minute. That was the one unfortunate thing. There is no Ottawa-Winnipeg game. And, and to be honest, I mean, again, I, I I said the minute the schedule came out that I will not complain about a damn thing with this schedule. I Give me 14 <laughs> games. It could be 14 games against the same bloody team. As long as there's games, we can go to it. Listen, considering what we've been through, I will take it. All that being said, did seem like maybe a bit of a missed opportunity for, you know, for just for the league as far. I mean, what a great storyline that would have been, whether it was the Bombers going to Ottawa or Ottawa coming here. Lapo, Matt Nichols, I mean so synonymous with the Bombers and of course that championship team um, it it is a little bit unfortunate, maybe a bit of a missed opportunity. But as I said, no complaints. We've got a damn schedule. We've got games.
0: (laughs) Totally agree, man. It's nice to be actually talking football instead of Federal government, provincial government, local government, COVID-19, PPE, man. Back to football.
1: No doubt. Um, Justin, one of the other things that you guys do a great job, and I really appreciate it as someone that's always um, you know, been a fan of and tried to support university football uh, here in Canada, is you guys have done a great job following youth sports. Um, what can you tell us and listeners right now about the prospect of the three-down game amongst Canadian universities. How difficult or realistic will that be to get games in this season?
0: It does sound like Canada West in particular, the conference obviously of the University of Manitoba plays their football in there with the Bisons, is pretty confident in going ahead with their six-game season. They have some contingency plans for shorter game season, you know, maybe two or four to at least get the guys some film. But overall, I think they're really confident. Part of that has to do with you know Saskatchewan, doing a great job and reopening and what's going on in Alberta. So you know, if Winnipeg and BC catch up, then I'm pretty confident with that. The interesting part is when you kind of get to the Ontario conference, to me, which is the major one, we had Lisa in the cloud, the sport minister in the province of Ontario come out and say, there's a framework here for you know 18 teams. I believe it was in six different sports or 18 leagues, but she did not mention the OUA, which as we know is a major generator of CFL talent and U sports is as well. I think it'll be fine out in Quebec and those teams actually make money off their TV deal and they've just announced the Vanier Cup will be hosted at Laval University on Saturday, December 4th. So to me, that shows that they're all systems go and I think they feel like there's a safe way to do it. And the key is that at least the Canada West is planning to start later in September when hopefully the vaccination rates are at a point where everybody feels safe and they can go ahead in a safe manner and keep the players healthy.
1: Any concept from people that you've talked to about how affected the teams are going to be like at the youth sports level coming back, um, you know, will they lose a bunch of players? Will there be, um, you know, I, I I'm fascinated by how things look at that level as well, because we knew the stresses in some markets to put teams on. We know, about the numbers of football players that are kind of coming in as a smaller number than it was sort of 10 years ago. Um, I'm very interested as to just the health of the three down game at the university level when they do end up getting back on the field.
0: Well, I can say for sure in Ontario that the athletic departments were hit pretty hard without football being on the field, right? That's a big revenue generator for them. As much as it's not packed, 100,000-seat stadiums like we see in the NCAA, still generate revenue from that with the ticket sales, especially the universities. Let's say that you know I'm close to covering in Hamilton on a weekly basis with McMaster. That new stadium gets a solid amount of fans in there and drives revenue for the university. So they'll have to bounce back from that. I'm not getting the sense that we'll have, quote, like the star players – moving away from football because they feel like, hey, if I can just get one year of film under my belt, that that can boost my CFL draft stock and give me an opportunity to go forward.
1: TD, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, great to see what you and uh, our guy, John Hodge, are doing a three-down nation. Uh, fill people in on uh, where they can find you guys and uh, what you guys have coming up over the next week or two now that it's all systems go for a CFL season
0: man, well, honestly, appreciate the kind words. 3downnation.com. We track everything that's noteworthy in the CFL, try to break as much news as we can there as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at 3downNation. I'm at JDonk12. Hodge, I believe, is at J John D. Hodge, sorry. Um, so you can get us up there. And honestly, it's really cool to see what you guys have done over there. And I think very much like you're going to do. We cover in the CFL every step of the way, you know, largely in written form, but we still have the weekly podcast as well. The three down nation pod that I do with John and try to get some inside perspective on the league that, you know, maybe you can't find anywhere else.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, this is a real pleasure having you on the program, and uh, we'll have a spot for you all season long. If you and John are able to come by, this was great, and uh, we can tell you there's a lot of people in our chat listening on the podcast and just in this area that cannot wait to get back on the field on August 5th with the Ticats coming here. Let's do this again soon, Justin. Thanks for uh, coming by.
0: Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Husk. (laughs) Right
1: on. There's Justin Dunk at jdunk123downnation.com is the site. We are going to get to some hockey talk with the notorious Ken Weeb coming up in just a moment. Do you want to shout out our friends at Not Auto Corp, man? The weather this is this is great driving weather. Uh, although, frankly, it's been driving weather for the last eighteen months because that's one thing we've been able to do safely during the pandemic. Uh, but if you're thinking about maybe upgrading the ride. No better place to do that than not autocorp. An incredible selection of vehicles, including the most Teslas in Manitoba. They've been doing Teslas for cut seven, eight years over at Not. Um, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great place with the Not team? And if you're in a lease or you've got another vehicle, talk to them about their consignment program to get you max value for your present vehicle as you move into a new one. They'll also fix your car. I got red seal technicians, body shop detailing. All there at Not Autocorp. Check them out at Waverly and McGillivray or online at knot.ca. And, um, you know, the response for the Father's Day basket from Little Brown Jug was incredible. Um, unfortunately, pre-sales are over. But that doesn't mean that Dad does not deserve one of these delicious summer, uh, the, uh, the summer lager, potentially the Hefeweizen or the flagship brand, the 1919. And while the Father's Day pack, not available right now, they do have the product that turns the beer into a delicious Rattler, and they've got great merchandise as well that maybe Dad would like. And listen, the the tap house isn't open right now. We're going to have to need to wait a little bit to have those 1919s and beers on the patio on the William Avenue. But right now it's easier than ever. You don't even need to leave your house. Littlebrownjug.ca. Get online home delivery. They'll get it right to you. That's what dad wants for father's day. Trust me. Littlebrownjug.ca. And a big shout out to breezy bend country club. I do believe our next guest happened to be there earlier (laughs) today. We'll check in on the course with Ken, but right now checking out the leaderboard at the U S open It's Russell Henry and my man Brooks Koepka, three under par, just getting into the back nine. Tommy Fleetwood, Xander Schauffele, also at two under. Uh, A couple Italians at one under, Francesco Molinari and Guido Migliozzi. A lot of people were on Guido. I think Feinberg uh, touted him going into the event, so I... I know Toth and <laughs> Posechnik were just tweeting me about Guido. And they're all fired up that he's having a nice start. Um, TSN's got coverage, and we're going to go well into the night because, of course, there was a 90-minute fog delay this morning. Um, so it's going to be a fun day for golf watchers. We should be having live action till about 10 o'clock our time. Big thanks to Breezy Bend. And speaking of Breezy Bend, let's bring in one of the most recent athletes to take on Breezy Bend, and that's Ken Weeb. Ken, how was the round this morning?
3: Uh, Hus, uh, fantastic round thank you for asking course is in amazing shape there there are two projects that are underway are really coming along nicely and i was just talking with Corey johnson at the course uh, along with chris uh, in as well uh man number five green from you would never know it's the newest green on the course it's running so pure the greens are fantastic course is in great shape and it was just a beautiful day to be out on the course that's for sure
1: You know, you have already got into your annual Manitoba golf tour um, and been bouncing around. I would imagine that the weather that we've had and the fact that, you know, the courses weren't busy for a few weeks while we all had to stay home, um, even for something like golfing, has probably given the superintendents around here, especially Craig, who's better than anyone over at Breezy, the chance to get these courses as minty as you'll ever see.
3: Yeah, for sure. The fairways uh, all over the place are really playing really well. And the greens the other i guess one of the the few benefits for the courses themselves obviously you want the revenue and you want people playing all the time but because there has not been nearly as much traffic you'd be able to get a few more things done around the course that you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to do so and nice to finally get that rain as well has to kind of green some things up all around the province and we know there's so many great tracks everywhere it's just great to see people back and able to play foursomes and and get out in time for father's day and those things but it should be a great summer ahead on the on the golf uh, front uh, the golf Tour did get a little bit of work this week for sure. uh Got over to the F- Flying Golf Club and to Netley Creek for the first time. Also, a c- couple of fun rural tracks uh under the belt already.
1: Now, I-, I couldn't help but notice that you and Rennie are like really like fi- like you are basically are now YouTubers <laughs> like us, like gung ho, always on YouTube. Um, yeah. The party didn't stop at the end of the jet season. You guys should no. keep going. I mean, I'm eleven 30 last night. I'm screwing on. I'm like, what the heck? These guys are on. To- <laughs> Post-game show after (laughs) Vegas. I mean, just getting the reps in. What's going
3: on? Hus. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of experimentation uh, because the season ended off so well in terms of the engagement level. We wanted to just sort of uh, see if we could tap into a couple of other markets. And for those Jets fans who are still in, we know there's a lot of, uh, you know, still some lingering disappointment, but, but for those fans who are, have their eyes on the final four, we figured we'd, we know that Vegas has so many Manitoba connections and we also know that Montreal is obviously the last Canadian team standing out of the North Division. So we wanted to do a little bit of experimentation and, and a test run. And uh, It's been great to, to see. I mean, we saw a nice bump from game two compared to game one. And as you said, I mean, when the games are starting, when our show's only going on at 1130, it's tough to keep some people uh, up that at late. But as you know, I mean, whether it's podcast or How checking... It's to keep people,
1: you guys up that late.
3: <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I don't sleep much, so I, I, I'm happy to talk about hockey. We're all watching the games anyway, so good to have a place to be able to uh, chat about the games and... Uh, what a response by the Montreal Canadiens. I know that that whole uh, North division sucks narrative uh, got tossed right out the window pretty quickly yesterday. And uh, I mean, that's just, if you make the final four, you've got a good hockey team, right? I mean, we know that there's a huge difference between Montreal with the lead and Montreal chasing the game because they aren't as offensive, but the Canadians have a good team. They have a good four-line team. They didn't They didn't get here by accident. They have an elite-level goaltender. They have, when Jeff Petrie is back in the lineup, as we saw yesterday, their top four is as good as anyone's in the league in terms of their size and ability to move the puck and those sorts of things. Uh, they kept that front of the paint a lot cleaner than they did in game one. And then some of their offense uh, got going again and Man, fourth line. That fourth line we talked about so much in that Jet series. They were quiet in Game One, not necessarily through any fault of their own, but because of all the penalties. But with uh, you know ex-Jet Yoel Armia. Uh, getting that first goal, Corey Perry, getting his nose dirty around the crease area again. And uh, Manitoba and Joel Edmondson having another big game with two assists. I mean, uh, the Canadians bounced back with, uh, with some fury uh, for sure. Vegas played great in the second and third, but two great starts in a row for Montreal. This time they got a bounce and they got a little momentum from that. And Hey, numbers speak for themselves, nine and one when scoring first, we know it's a different game when they get the lead. And uh, I love the game from Nick Suzuki. I know he's a guy we talked a lot about all year long and, Man, what what a what a great showing from the from the youngster uh who really is, you know, kind of enjoying the moment of having to go up against a team as as deep as the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, listen, I'm going to say we will talk Jets and I'm going to try not to keep bringing <laughs> everything back to the Montreal Winnipeg series this okay, I mean, Just hearing about this, I'm like, uh, well, let's talk about the starts and again, For I sure. promise I will not refer to the Jets starts in that series against Montreal. But for a team, hey, hey, that Huss,
3: has- you have the same reaction that Mark Stone had after the game last <laughs> yeah, yeah, night when it comes yeah. to the starts.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Montreal, a big part of getting up in these games is the way that they come out every night. And yeah. listen, we haven't seen it from a number of playoff teams, certainly one from Winnipeg, but Vegas, too. I mean, game number one. Vegas over 60 minutes were certainly better, but I mean, again, Montreal came out. I thought for the first 12 13 minutes, they really controlled the play and you know, we're doing what they wanted to do. And then last night, they did exactly that, maybe even better. Certainly, Vegas didn't look like they were at their top, but they took advantage of it. And sure enough, I mean, it reminded me a lot of some games earlier in the playoffs where you know, Montreal gets up a couple goals and you know, good luck beating Carey Price three or four times to win a game. He just doesn't lose when he gets that sort of run support.
3: Yeah, no doubt about that, Hassan. I mean, Jeff Petrie's ability to come out of the uh, bullpen uh, for game two with the uh, crazy-looking glove and uh, the Terminator eyes. I mean, he just provided so much stability on that back end. I mean, playing just under 21 minutes, uh, got an important assist. But just the calmness that he brings. He brings that sort of level of calmness that Paul Stastny brings to the Winnipeg Jets, Huss, in terms of being that veteran presence. He's mobile, he's physical, he's active. He's a great passer. He's a good reader of the play uh, and just really helped them get stabilized. And, I mean, Shea Weber, another, <laughs> another guy who's playing with injured hands or thumb or whatever it is, uh, blocking shots right up to the last second of the game. I mean, he had a great game. Ben Sherrod, another solid effort. And, again, Joel Edmondson, you know, pounded from behind by William Carlson and Huss. I know we don't want to get on the officiating, ranting, and raving, but that's <laughs> got to be boring. Like, come on. like. <laughs> the guy you you plant the guy's face into the glass uh late in the game you got to call that but i mean edmondson is fine with taking the hit to make the play but come on like that that's got to be a penalty but regardless montreal great job of getting their fourth line involved uh again we also know that their third line needed to be a lot better uh cockton yemi anderson and paul byron who hadn't scored in 12 games what does he do goes out and gets the GWG on a nifty looking backhand roof job. Uh, Fleury could not get the poke check in in time. And one of the the underlying themes of that play, Josh Anderson wins the battle with Nick Holden along the wall. Won't get an assist on the play, but if he doesn't win that battle, the puck doesn't get through, Byron doesn't get the breakaway, and the goal doesn't happen. So Montreal doing those little things, even if something is... The, the head fake by Caulfield. Yes. The Toffoli shot is not a rocket. And you know, it kind of slides, slides through, but that play is all Petrie patience at the top. Suzuki wins the draw, no point on the play, but he wins the draw. Caulfield just makes this ridiculous head fake, gets it into the slot to Foley. There you go. Eight game point streak. Uh Just it was such an important response for Montreal after the way that Vegas played so well in the second and third in game one that a lot of the experts were saying, well, this is going to be a sweep. Uh, We knew that probably wasn't going to be the case. and we know that Vegas was missing Chandler Stevenson and that changed their game quite a bit. But man, what an effort by the Manitoba product. Keegan Colasar last night. Oh, I wanted
1: to bring Colasar up. I mean, he has been, and, and, you know, I I think a lot of people, there's so many Manitobans on Vegas. He's been a guy, and listen, he hasn't been an everyday player, really, up until this point, and he's taken advantage of the opportunity with the injuries in the lineup, but a really, really great story, and we heard him talking about uh, Chuck Pete yesterday. uh, Exactly. uh, John Morosi. I mean, there's a lot of people that just know, oh, I think he might be from Winnipeg. Fill the <laughs> listeners in on the uh, yeah. pretty interesting story and journey to the National Hockey League in the Vegas Golden Knights for Keegan Kolosar.
3: Yeah, and, and just such an exceptional human being, Huss. I mean, this is a guy that I covered a bit in junior, covered him when he was drafted. And, and for me, there is that interesting connection because I covered Charles when he was with the Winnipeg Goldeyes. Here's a guy who was just an exceptional talent, legit five-tool player, legit high-end prospect. Major league prospect, um, just did so many things well. Five tool player, you know, hit for average, hit for power, field, run, throw, catch. Like he was just such an you know incredible person. He loved the game so much, and uh, the beauty of Keegan talking about how you know even as late as last year before he passed away, he wasn't really even sure what icing was, but he knew that he was there to support his son in every way that he could. Um, such a great sounding board for Keegan to have. Uh, in his life a guy who did so many things around the game then stayed involved in the game that he loved and was just so passionate and and that's the thing you know Keegan is such a polite individual but he has so much passion for the sport and his great great family support as well and man this is a guy who is a legit power forward big strong guy with hands and he's playing out of position I mean he's not a centerman naturally he's a big burly winger who played with Matt Barzell but yesterday doing such an incredible job with two of the smartest players in the NHL and Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty who's the guy digging out the puck in the corner Kolasar who's getting in on the four check Kolasar not a lot of players can go from a fourth line role to a third line role to a top line role and not look out of place I thought that Keegan was excellent he can use his body physically he's a good skater for his size and he's got really soft mitts around the net like this is a guy that's going to be scoring double digits and goals when he really gets rolling and feels even more comfortable and every game that he plays in the Stanley Cup playoffs is another step towards him being not just a regular Huss but an impact player at the National Hockey League level
1: uh, Ken Wiebe with us uh, here. Kenny and Rennie, Sportsnet, you, uh, you're you quite familiar with his work, I'm sure. Um, I just got to give a quick shout out to Pat Kanuga in the uh, in the chat. Uh, Pat says, WST episode number 75 tomorrow. It's your Diamond Jubilee edition, Hassan Remus. I will toast you with a little brown jug 1919 while chomping a DQ burger and thinking of buying a not Tesla one day. Well done, gents. Pat, you're the man. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. And tomorrow straight fire. I I was not I was not aware that it was the Diamond Jubilee edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk tomorrow, but I can tell you that. We've got quite a diamond of a guest in Jim Toth joining us tomorrow. Nice. So
3: we Will have yes, every day is a new uh, every day is a new milestone, and what we're doing right now every day is a new milestone. Keep keep the keep the subs keep the smashing that like button. Keep subscribing. Keep the keep the views rolling, folks. This is uh, swipe
1: up, swipe up f- fertile the ground
3: <laughs> for all of us, and it's just been a lot of fun to be in. That's for sure.
1: Well, it has. Um, listen, before we move on, Mark Stone. Um, Mm -hmm. Listen, I know he wasn't too pleased with the way the team played. They came out yesterday, but I know there was a lot of people wondering, like, you know, Vegas, They everyone kind of knew, or it was quite widely speculated, shall we say, that he was going to go to Vegas as a free agent anyways. They thought they had a chance to win, so they go and, you know, paid some significant assets to get him, signed him to the long-term deal at big money. uh, But, man, this guy is worth every single penny, Ken.
3: Unreal. just. uh, (laughs) And and just for the facial expressions alone, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) he's the best. Mark is. I love the way he wears his emotion. For a guy who is not a you know a rambunctious or a boisterous interview, he shows so much great. Nobody sells harder in the NHL than Mark Stone, and not just for himself. He's the guy that is fired up for anyone who puts the puck in the back of the net. Uh, I love how animated Mark gets, and I love the way that he's playing. I mean, he. He's got such great chemistry with Max Pacioretty, the things that they are able to accomplish on the ice. The other part about Mark has his ability to be such a complete player. Nobody's better in the NHL at takeaways. His ability to back pressure as a high-end offensive talent, he's just such a great two-way winger. I think he's the best two-way winger in the National Hockey League. Uh, and I, I love the fact that all the people what was always the knock well not a very fluid skater well how many puck ra- how many puck races does mark stone lose like almost zero because his anticipation level is so high and his ability to be in the right place at the right time and win the race i mean just like the overtime winner i mean that there was no there was nobody catching mark stone who apparently isn't a very fast skater according to some but uh, I love the way that he's handled the, the captaincy. He's really embraced that role. He is, I mean, yes, we know Mark andre Fleury is the face of the franchise, but Mark Stone is the heartbeat of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think he's going to continue to play a big role as this series moves along. He's playing great hockey and you know that when he gets upset and is disappointed, uh, he's going to have another big effort coming up. I think that, as well as Sart played, I think that the the way that it impacted the rest of their lineup really kind of hurt Vegas. Nicholas Waugh, who is, is a really good, versatile player, didn't really get things going on either one of his lines, whether he started up top and then went back to his line. Alex Tuck is flying in this series. And here's a guy who's a top six player on every, almost every, every, every team in the National Hockey League. When Alex Tuck's on a third line for a team, you have a really talented roster and a deep roster. Uh, I know that the, the Misfits line got going late and kind of set up the Petrangelo second goal but I didn't think their line was very good last night Mar- Marcheseau and Riley Smith were not as active at least until the third period no shots until about 12 minutes to go and then Wild Bill got the great uh, chance but the puck rolled off his stick right so he got this great burst but he didn't really get a as as solid a scoring chance as you'd be used to seeing, I expect that line to be much better in Game Three on Friday night. Uh, they would have heard about it a little bit, and, and they're kind. Of, I mean, we saw Marchessault so in that series in 2018. These guys are nobody's harder on themselves than themselves. I expect them to bounce back really well. Petrangelo, probably one of the best players on the ice in the game for the first two games. Uh, Theodore was a little bit quieter, I thought last night, but man, and Alec Martinez, like what a series he's having, and Hus i love what price said about using all of his extremities to make that save on the back door (laughs) i i don't foresee an opportunity where that shot hits him in that spot and doesn't end up in the back of the net again uh (laughs) there was a little bit of wizardry and sorcery going on that one off the back of the pants i I still have no idea how it went out of play Good to
1: be lucky and lucky to be good weaver that's (laughs) not what they say
3: that's not a knock price has been <laughs> exceptional in the series and flurry has been awesome too. And, uh, I loved <laughs> three, three questions in a row to stone. Fleury was ready to walk off the walk off the podium, but still gave a great answer about going back to Montreal, going back to Quebec, how great it will be with 3,500. I, I love how Flurry uh, Connor Hellbuck did a great job of, uh, you know, compartmentalizing, uh, his approach in the interviews. Flurry's the same way. I mean, it was early on, you know, It's not me versus Carrie. You know, I'm just taking care of my crease. All of those things. Uh, Two exceptional goalies. And, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, Hus. This is a legit Olympic battle between the guys who could be the starter, right? I mean, there are some other people in the equation, sure. But right now, these two guys are basically going head-to-head and this won't determine necessarily there's no one else
1: there's no one else even in the conversation for canada for the olympics next year i mean yeah, i mean some uh, people I, want
3: bennington in the conversation because of the, <laughs> no, just, Hang on, just because of the connection to doug i i think that there's nobody in the conversation for the number one because he's buddies
1: or he plays for the guy listen no no Huss, Huss, i'm with
3: you I'm, i want to see flurry or price as the starter for team canada but man what a great battle this is and the way that Flurry is, I mean, both those guys are playing great, but I love the, you got the great contrast, right? You got the stoic carry price and you have like Mr. Mister Animation and Mr. Happy Flurry. I think there's, there's such a good combination platter there. Uh, I think you can go into a situation where you wouldn't have to, you could even legitimately go into a load management 50 50 split. Flurry's handled the split really well. And now too, I mean, Price was more injury related, but I think you could go in with legit two, a 1A and a 1B. And be in a great situation where you know you can turn to either guy. And then, sure, once you get to the playoff round, yes, of course, you have to make a choice. But uh, I think that those two guys are, have got to be the front runners for Team Canada's starting job.
1: Well, front runners, yeah. I mean, as I said, I don't even think there's anyone else Fair. that's even in the running. I mean, I think it's a two-man. And, you know, it's, it's kind of neat. I, I still do think, and I know there's some people in the chat, I mean, they think that Carey Price is going to be the guy regardless of how this series ends up. And I think based on history, he probably has a bit of a leg up, but how they're playing next year uh, will impact in that. And to your point, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I think if you have veteran goalies like that that have done it at every level, you're confident that they can have a night off. They're not worried about losing their job if they're not starting. I mean, they're all in. And to me, that third goaltending spot... I think essentially next year you go in, I mean, before we kind of thought it was Carter Hart and that's right. that disaster. Well, that's what I'm saying. I just think, I mean, if I'm hockey Canada, I want price. I want flurry. I think that's a done deal. And yeah, then yeah. I want a young goalie for the future that can benefit from being on the team. Because um, let's face it, if Canada gets to their third goalie, that probably means <laughs> we're, in, we're in trouble.
3: Yeah, no doubt about that. And I still think Carter Hart's a great candidate for a bounce back season. Uh, we know he's had great success with Hockey Canada before, and I would expect him to have a really sol- solid summer and get himself in a really good headspace to, to really make an impact. And he's the kind of guy that would want to be involved, and in, and he wouldn't see that as a as a as a demotion to be the third guy with those two goalies. He would see that as such a great learning opportunity to be around those two. You know, real legitimate stars, veteran guys who have so much knowledge and and have endured. I mean, let, let's not forget what Flurry has endured in his career. Everything from the shot off the back of Braden Coburn to losing his starting job last year, and now to be getting your first Vesna candidacy as a finalist any eight months after losing your starting job that tells you all you need to know about the character and the work ethic of Marc-Andre Fleury who's just been absolutely fantastic and if you look at the names that he's associated with with those 90 playoff wins it's some pretty elite company when you're looking at a career in terms of getting it done when it matters most
1: uh Ken Weaves with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily you know hey listen while we're you brought up the Olympics and uh, I'm going to kind of transition this now to the Winnipeg Jets. But let me ask you this. I mean, as we sit here today, you know, in June, jet season over. Let's play the percentage game. Um give me a the can we percentage on the chance that Mark Shifley is on Team Canada.
3: Yeah, I'd still go pretty high, Huss. Uh, I'd go in the seventy-five to eighty range. And wow, really? I, I feel, yeah, I feel very confident in Mark Scheifele's ability to. Um, he's a very motivated individual, as it is, Hus. And if you look at his last two playoffs, so one of them ending you know, with an injury, and another ending with uh, a suspension. <laughs> well, let's talk
1: is- about that. What, like, I mean, <laughs> let's face it. This was um, sure. This was talked about all around. And listen, I, Winnipeg Jet fans, for the most part, have Mark Scheifele's back outside of the perimeter of this city yeah. mark shifley has been getting killed his and and his you know both by the media and a number of people in the league um does this affect at all his standing when it comes to that do you think
3: yeah i've seen that theory out there that narrative hus but i think his body of work would 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 out, outweigh any of the negatives on that front who, if there is any you know guilty by association or whatever whatever term you want to use um i think that mark shifley is a player who has established himself to be a pretty high level player for a long time five years as a point-of-game player Huss and his playoff record is pretty impressive as well although obviously frustrating for him he's only played a game in less than a period in the last two years uh, when it would be a would be prime time, prime real estate for him to be bolstering his playoff reputation as a high end performer, but uh, I expect Mark to have an outstanding summer. I know he, you know, he kind of shied away from the public comments about what it would actually mean to him, but us, you and I know what it means to Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley oh, yeah. lives to play for the maple leaf uh, i expect him to have an exceptional summer his motivation level is already at a high extremely high level and after encountering this you know challenging circumstance and i think there's nothing but fuel for mark to come out with just an explosion out of the gate when he gets into the lineup and to do everything in his power to be on that team yeah for me, listen- I, look, I look at it this way huss yeah, I, I think he's in the top 12 in terms of the forwards. But even at worst, Shifley would be in that, you know, 13th forward power play specialist kind of game kind of breaker that could start as the 13th forward and end on the top line, like kind of like a allied Jonathan Taves variety mm-hmm. pack in 2010. For me, that's how I see Mark. Scheid. I mean, I'm not comparing them directly as players. I'm saying that even if you didn't have him in the top six, you could have him as that, you know, power play specialist that could work his way up into the lineup. Um, I mean, of course there's a lot of great players out there and, you know, it, it, is it a lead pipe lock? Well, nothing is right now, but I expect Mark Shifley to be on that team. Uh, He has a very solid reputation around the league. The people making those decisions uh, know what kind of person he is. So yes, I mean, this is, you call it a blemish on his record or call it whatever you want to call it. It was something we certainly were not anticipating happening. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this. I think four games was probably a little excessive uh, in terms of the length of the suspension, but uh, at the same time i think it will do nothing but fuel mark and serve as a motivating force for him to go out and grab that goal which we know is is very important to him no
1: listen i i completely agree about that i mean i think he wants this as much as anything and i think he realizes that it's a dogfight i mean there's no i mean he's not in a position where you know something drastic would happen for him not to make the team i mean there's that many great players from canada and, You know, I'll go, I'm probably more in the 40 to 50% range. Maybe I'll say 45. And the reason for that is, although I I will, you know, maybe I'll go to 50 because I think your point on being like a 13th, 14th forward, he is a player that if somebody gets hurt, I mean, he can go in and, you know, replace a player in that top nine in a scoring role. My worry for Scheife from his perspective when it comes to, you know, if he's going to be on the team as a fourth liner, what right. We hear coaches talk about roles often, and listen, it happens in the national hockey. It happens with Hockey Canada as well. And you wonder whether, you know, a Couturier or someone like that, with the way that he plays, the defensive acumen, if that might be the preferred player that would at least be in that role. Because, you know, when you stack up the centers and the other centers that will move to the wing, um, you know, it's not a knock on Mark Shifley. It's just a very crowded room with a lot of elite hockey players.
3: No, you're right, Huston. And to me, I'll look at, I'll break it down a little bit further because of his connection. Like I think about the Olympics and how it was, it was a challenge to find people to play with Crosby, right? Which seems like it's a ridiculous argument to be having, but there was a reason Chris Kunitz was on the one Olympic team, right? To me, Shifley's ability to play with a Connor McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon at the world cup That will be something that is taken into consideration by Team Canada, knowing that he can play center, he can play right wing. You know, he's a power play specialist, has a great shot, versatility. For me, this would be such a critical moment for Mark Scheifele's career he needs to have his Dale Howard Chuck moment. He needs to have his Dale Howard Chuck at the Canada Cup in 87 moment where he's in a room constantly with McKinnon, Crosby, McDavid, all of the elite of the elite. We know he's a top 10 scorer. For Mark to take that next love level As an all-around player, I think the push, the internal push from being around those kind of people and people that have already won the Stanley Cup and then a person like McKinnon, who, speaking of fuel and motivation, how (laughs) motivated do you think Nathan McKinnon is? You know, we haven't won, you know what, in my nine years. Uh, I mean, man... if, if I were Mark Shifley, I'd go out and spend a couple a couple weeks in Cole Harbour in terms of the training <laughs> path this summer because that's another highly motivated individual. And I think that you could see those two guys playing as line mates at some point. And I really think that that internal motivation from both of those guys and, and of that want to win. And we know how disappointed Shifley was when the NHL did not go to the Olympics last time, when he probably would have been a lock. So to me... I think that he's going to do everything in his power to have an exceptional start and to give hockey Canada, no choice, but to have him on that team.
1: All right. Great stuff. I, you know, I have a feeling this is the first of many uh, discussions <laughs> we're going to be having on this Canadian Olympic For going sure. into next year. Uh, that being said, we haven't spoke on this program since the end of the Winnipeg Jets playoffs to what, 10 days ago now. Um, I don't know about you. I mean, I've tried to go back and rewatch some of those games as painful and ugly as it was. Um, <laughs> and you got a good perspective on this. What happened to the Jets in that series? I mean, um, you know, now that we've kind of, you know, the the shock of everything happened, the Shifley incident the way it was. I mean, um, what, 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 what can you make any sense of how the Jets bowed out the way that
3: they did? Sure, Huss. I mean... I didn't why well, I've loved listening to you talk about the rewatching watching uh, during oh. the last 10, uh, sorry, and I'm not, I'm not taking any, uh, any, any. I don't even know why
1: I do this to myself, to be honest with really.
3: <laughs> you. I'm not taking any enjoyment in your agony, but in terms of your descriptive nature uh, is what I've enjoyed a lot when it comes to that. Uh, I would, I would draw a little, a little parallel to what we saw in game one and how different Montreal looked without Petrie in the lineup. And I'm not comparing Jeff Petrie to Dylan DeMello in terms of, their styles of play. What I am drawing the parallel on is their importance to the hockey club. Uh, how different Joel Edmondson looked beside Brett Kulak versus how different Josh Morrissey looked beside Tucker Poolman. Um, and this is not, I'm not blaming Tucker Poolman, but the difference in Morrissey DeMello versus Edmonton uh, compared to what we saw from the rest of the defense pairings. Uh, it, it was night and day. And much like we saw in the bubble huss, once Mark Schleifle left the series, a lot of the offensive weaponry was silenced. Uh, And not just in terms of production, but in terms of what they were able to generate or the lack thereof of the generation in terms of the offensive engagement. And that does not apply to Nikolai Ehlers. And no, Ehlers didn't get going the way that we thought he would. But, I mean, Nikolai Ehlers won... (laughs) He won the press conference on the year end uh, when I asked him about his health. Oh, I'm a hundred percent, but I had a <laughs> torn, torn labrum, labrum and a broken rib, rib. <laughs> <laughs> but hundred percent. I'm like, mm, no, that, that, that's not a hundred percent, but I appreciate uh, the accountability again of Ehlers and his willingness to try to get things going. But for the team that was supposed to be incredibly deep up front, Hus the, Too many guys went quiet in that series. And that also is a lot to do with the way Montreal played in terms of keeping that blue paint a clean sheet for them and how how physical a toll they were able to exact in that series. They were
1: boxing the Jets out at the blue line. I mean, like literally the box out happened, the step over the blue line and, you know, you're three feet inside the zone and getting rubbed out on the boards. And yeah, I mean, they never generated or established anything in the middle, never mind the blue paint, the slot anywhere on that. And that was, you know, ultimately a very problematic in a series that, you know, Connor Hellebuck kept them in, despite in some games, probably um, maybe
3: they shouldn't have been. No, you're right, and it went even deeper than that. It started with the zone exits. Like they couldn't never mind getting to the entries, Hus. They couldn't. They couldn't get that ed, the exits part taken care of. That was a big problem, and they couldn't get the forecheck going at all. Couldn't get the zone and their puck management, which was so exceptional against the Oilers, was so poor in that Montreal series. They literally did not give themselves a chance, and the only chance they could have had is if their special teams had been able to bail them out. And not only did the special teams not bail them out, they got outscored 6 to 1, three shorties given up and they only scored one shorthanded goal of their own which was a beauty by Adam Lowry, but you can't get zero power play goals, give up three shorties and try to make up for your lack of offense when your special teams completely let you down, which that also happened against Calgary Two Hus, right? That was, those were the two biggest things losing Shifley and then losing the special teams battle. So dramatically, it literally did not give their goaltender a chance to even try to build them out or steal a game where, I mean, as you mentioned in game four, Connor Hellbuck was the only reason that game was not a blowout and that it went to extra time to begin with. And then before, before you snapped your finger, there were three mistakes made and a backdoor one timer that you left yourself wondering: How did that guy get the puck? How was the lane open? And how was the one timer so wide open that the you turned your head and the series was over? And you're like, <laughs> How did that even happen? Like there were three things that happened there. It, it should have started as like leaving the puck behind the net, and all of a sudden, turnover out in front, slot, bang, back of the net, and you're like, Okay. I guess they're shaking hands now. <laughs> that, that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, um, that's, that's, accurate. that's accurate. That's um, accurate. It just uh, <laughs> it's
3: like such an incredible uh, turn of events, and, and Caulfield right in the middle of everything. And I know that that you know drove Jets fans crazy because yes, here's a guy who you know the young player was you know the shackles were taken off after some, you know, the first two games, and uh, you know Caulfield became that dynamic difference maker. But the, the biggest difference, I mean, Caulfield the other night scored his 40th goal of the season, including college, world junior, AHL, regular season playoffs. That's that's a large, we know that Billy Hanley had a large, uh, wide berth of experiences this year as well in, in terms of his 50 games. But Caulfield, is just something that they don't they, they don't really have a lot of game breakers, I guess. And I get it. Some people will argue that Hainala could have been a game breaker for the Jets too. Um, Never
1: mind, just making a pass in his own end. I mean, you
3: know. For sure. And, and I know a lot of people... So here, I want to address something with Hainala also, Huss. I know that a lot of people got wound up when Paul Maurice basically said it was an open competition and he wasn't going to be gifting those spots to Dylan Sandberg and Vili Hainala. That doesn't mean they're not going to win those jobs, and it doesn't mean that they're those jobs are not available to them. But if you look at the history of the Winnipeg Jets, they don't go out and say, "See in the fall, the job is yours." That's just not a mentality. No, and they shouldn't. I mean, you know what? No, you should no.
1: earn. You should exactly. earn your job. But what people are concerned is, right? Are they going to get a realistic opportunity to do that? And I certainly believe next year they will. Yep. Um, it's pretty hard to say that at least in Hanalas. Um, case that that was afforded him this season and you know what that was their decision and uh, you know like I I truly believe that just from what we saw knowing the needs what we saw from Billy when he was on the ice that I mean, I deduce that, you know, this obviously must be an organizational decision. And they're just, you know, listen, they know the situation that they're in, and they feel that the extra year of control, slide the ELC, is better for the team. I know Sheveldaev said that was absolutely not the case, and I'm not suggesting that he was being uh, less than truthful. Um, But whatever, there's a disconnect at some point. Bottom line is, spent a lot of time on the taxi squad. It was a unique year. We know why that was. But... I do understand why a lot of people, seeing the struggles of the Winnipeg Jets defense to do very simple things like just moving the puck out of their own end, would love to see Billy Hanula. Uh, but again, we were talking about men earlier, and you know the the not just the Steinbach Online Manliest Man competition, but also um, you know the fact that you know they want guys to be ready to go up, especially in playoffs against you know some pretty big dudes on a team like Montreal. Obviously, they didn't think Vili was the guy for the job. But back to your point, next year, yeah, you got to come in and earn it. But I think the opportunity will absolutely be there uh, because the Jets want these guys to come in and earn jobs and show that they belong.
3: Yeah, and I I do not see a scenario where stanley samberg and heinela are not involved and heavily involved and not and not as a seventh defenseman for any of them i expect them to be oh sorry the only scenario i see is if one of them is moved for a more experienced defenseman with term Uh, otherwise i see all three of those guys being contributors perhaps even major contributors to this hockey team dylan samberg had an excellent year one of those guys could easily play on the right-hand side. That's why Hainala played on the right a bit with the Moose. That's why Sandberg was tested on the Moose. Is it an optimal circumstance? No, but the the quickest way for those guys to improve on the back end is by having them as contributors because of what they bring into the table in terms of skill set. So, man, I'm fascinated. I mean... Jake McCabe is a guy who is, I mean, we know Dougie Hamilton is the prime target, but to me, Jake McCabe's a guy who would provide a lot of things that the jets don't have abundance of a really smart guy plays a physical brand of hockey, moves the puck well enough. I could see him being a target. Um, I mean, I think Hamilton is a legit target, but the, the, the hesitancy there is, are you willing to go to the number that is required to get to Dougie Hamilton? And if you do, can you do that and also provide the raised to Neil Pionk that is five and a half or six million? Because now if Dougie Hamilton is in here as a number one guy, Hus, he's running the top power play. He's on the top pairing. So now Neil Pionk, who's had two great years with the Jets, Your ice time is reduced. You're still playing an important role in the top four, but all of a sudden now you have two guys at 6 million and you have one at eight or eight or nine i mean that's the bigger that's the bigger issue for the jets in terms of making all of those pieces fit we know they're going to have a couple guys on elc contracts like we mentioned uh logan stanley probably going to be in that bridge range or mil mil and a half whatever it is and you will need to have elc guys like Hanela and samberg in the lineup and to me it goes even further and i know that a lot of people were up in arms about the other thing was the fourth line role David Gustafson is going to be the Jets' fourth line center next year. He has to be.
1: If he, he earns it, if he earns it, Ken, they're not just going to gift him a job, remember? He,
3: he is going to win the job because of what he can already do. He can kill penalties. He is a big 6 foot 2, 6 foot 3 presence. He already was a man in a 19-year-old's body when he broke into the NHL. Now he's 2 years older. He's going to win that job. And he the other part about Gustafson He has offensive ability, and he may not put eye-popping numbers out, but he makes his line mates better. He has built-in chemistry with Christian Veselainen. He puts Veselainen in spots where he can use that shot that we've seen at the American League level, but we haven't seen enough of at the NHL level. You have a built-in two-thirds of a line, Like already handed to you. So, unless Veselainen is the next Matthew Perot on that third line with the Jets, which is also a possibility, you put him with Gustafson, you got two thirds. And if if you need special teams time, Gustafson plays on the penalty kill, put Veselainen on the second power play. He's got a great shot and he's got a big body. So, uh, there you solve your special teams issue. And hey, if you want to bring back Nate Thompson or Trevor Lewis, fine. You can play those guys with the two young guys on the fourth line. The biggest thing for me, Huss, that we're seeing in this Final Four, especially when it comes to fourth lines, the biggest difference, Vegas, big, strong fourth line. Yes, the Jets' fourth line did a nice job for the majority of the year. They didn't give up a lot of five-on-five action. Uh, they had two penalty killers on that line, and they had, you know, for a long time, Matthew Pro who played on the power play. But if you're looking at the size discrepancy between Vegas and Montreal and Winnipeg's fourth line, it's a massive difference, right? Those guys play hard, but they're not big physical guys like Reeves or Carrier or Stahl or Perry or, you know, and Armia. I mean, we know that Armia is not a big banger, but he gets involved physically, right? I mean, he uses his body, he skates well enough, and he's got incredible hands. So uh, I think that the Jets' fourth line will benefit from an infusion of youth. I think there's always going to be room for character players, but those character players can be 12th and 13th forwards they don't necessarily be have to be on the second yeah those those guys
1: won't be keeping the young guys out of the lineup next year I think that is what the hope and that is what the expectation that's a a great point Ken and those guys
3: help pave the way for those young guys and, and don't I'm not diminishing their role being around you know having I mean, of course Jansen Harkins would have been frustrated with the lack of ice time this year but Jansen Harkins is going to be a better hockey player in the fall because he spent time around Trevor Lewis who won a Stanley Cup and he spent time around Nate Thompson who's closed in on a thousand games, right? Would so, he have been a better player if he was playing? Well, I think he probably would have been. Yes, I, I mean the the one of the great mysteries this year, Huss is how I wouldn't even call it a fall from grace, but I would love to know how this year would have turned out if Jansen Harkins doesn't pull up with a groin injury on day one of training camp, or not day one, it was day three where the scrimmage was, mm-hmm. where. He was goal and an assist, but just absolutely flying all over the ice. And then the next day, he hurt his groin, and then he was basically out of the lineup and and didn't ever get it get back going. I mean, yes, he had a few opportunities, but he just didn't. You saw flashes all the time, but uh, it just was a strange, uh, yeah, just strange, strange, strange turn of events, I I don't have a really good explanation for it. This isn't a Sammy Niku situation. This is a this is a guy who has a great attitude, is an incredibly hard worker. Um, so to me, I think the, the injuries had to play a bigger role in it than we would even know. Um, but the biggest, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that exit meeting uh, because the only signs that we saw, I, I remember the, one of the days before the playoffs started, Harkins did his post-game skate with the t- the uh, extra players and then had like about a 20, 25-minute or I'm estimating here everything seems long when you're waiting for the zoom call uh, with Dave Lowry. And just after he did his work, he had this long conversation with Lowry. I I would love to have heard what it was like. I mean, he was put on alert by Paul Maurice What does Jansen Arkins need to do. He needs to go and win a job in this hockey team. Whereas most of us after seeing him bumped into the top six, the previous year felt that he was on the verge of taking more, A lot of people thought he would take the jump that Mason Appleton took this year. Instead, he became a frequent healthy scratch. So uh, I think this is a big summer for Jansen Harkins. We know he's a hard worker. I think that he will come incredibly determined Uh, where he slots on the depth chart is, is really um, up to be up to be determined, but I expect him to have a big way bigger impact next year. And I'll be very curious to see where things kind of shake out. And I also think, too, I mean, there's we look at what Josh Anderson is doing. I talked about that third line guy like Anderson, a guy like Alex Tuck. Can the Jets add a little bit of size or I mean, we Sean, and I talked about this the other day. I mean, if you're the Jets, don't you consider a free agent contract for UL or Mia? I mean, if you if the potential yes. to lose Appleton to Seattle, I mean, you got to plug and play a guy that you know works with Adam Lowry. Well, yeah, so, you know what?
1: And listen, we'll get to a big free agency discussion sure. before we get to that point, and we'll know a little bit more. But before we break, and this has been awesome, Kenny, you're on fire today, and <laughs> people are people are enjoying it. Um, I do want to ask you. It's what? It's the seventeenth of June today. Yeah. Let's pull out the Winnipeg Sports Talk expansion o meter. Yes. And Take Ken Weeb's pulse. I will give you this. We're protecting (laughs) Shifley, Wheeler, Ealers, Connor, Dubois, Lowry for sure. Tops. Those are six.
3: Cop is your seventh. You can mark them down in pen. Okay.
1: Well, okay. So cop, there's your answer. Cop is the seventh which means Mason Appleton and Jansen Harkins are both
3: available. You you, you got the super stumper coming for me, Huss. I already see where this is going. Blue
1: line. We know it's going to be Morrissey. We know it's going to be Pionk. We've got Stanley and we've got DeMello. I know both of us are thinking that I'm sure the Jets would like to ensure that neither of those guys players, but let's just for a moment assume that Ron Francis doesn't want to play ball. And he said, no, just uh, give me your list and I'll pick a guy. Um, To me, this is the most difficult decision. And, I mean, I still think I lean towards Stanley big picture long term, but man, seeing what the jets look like without Dylan DeMello in the series against Montreal, I think probably gave pause. Um, it, we won't hold you this to this. This could change a number of times before we get to expansion day, but, uh, where are you at on what happens on the blue line today?
3: Yeah. On June 17th, I'm going to take Dylan DeMello. Um, I think that, uh, it's a tough choice, Hus. And I do. I, I, here's my caveat to that. I think that if the if the Jets lose Logan Stanley in that scenario, and I still think that there's a side deal to be had, I think the Jets go out and sign the seasoned version of Logan Stanley, who is Jamie Alexiak. So if you lose that size of that player, you sign Alexiak in free agency to play with Neil Pionk. Uh, I know some people are already ready to put Dylan Sandberg on that pairing, and and maybe he will be there. But I think that the Jets. I know what they've invested in Logan Stanley Huss, and I know that they want to keep him, and and they may end up going the opposite direction here. But Dylan DeMello, they made a four-year commitment to Dylan DeMello last year. We saw Dylan DeMello play what he described himself as the best hockey of his career in round one. We also know that Dylan DeMello spent most of the year in a mentorship role with young players like Logan Stanley. We also know that Josh Morrissey played his best hockey with Dylan DeMello. So for me, if they go out and get an Alexiak or a Dougie Hamilton, I know those are not necessarily comparable players. What I'm saying is if they go out and get a top four player, they augment from within. I do think that Dylan DeMello at $3 million is it would be tough to replace Dylan DeMello at $3 million to find a potential top pairing guy to play with Josh Morrissey. That's my argument for Dylan DeMello. I also know, you know, the loyalty factor is very much alive. We know the investment level in Logan Stanley is incredibly high, which I understand even shovel Dayoff made it sound like he wasn't interested in a side deal and that he would take his medicine and just lose one player. To me, I think the combination of DeMello and Stanley for a team that is already looking to upgrade its blue line, losing either one of them would be a blow. Can they fill that elsewhere? Of course they can, but let me ask you this, let me ask
1: you this just on that. Um, Does it even matter uh, if Mason Appleton is also exposed? Um, I mean, at 900 K the player that he's turned into Mm -hmm. under team control um i I mean i know i was looking at the guys in the athletic that were doing there i guess their seventh mock-up of the crack and two of the three (laughs) had appleton uh in there um you know again we've really focused on defense because of just how big the need is for those players in winnipeg but if you're ron francis and you have the choice of all three of those players let's say all three of them were available who are you taking
3: if all three are available dylan DeMello is the first choice Uh, if you're seattle yeah because of the analytics uh, department, uh, I think that he would, re- because of his defensive capabilities and his underlying numbers and his ability to make his partner better, uh, his salary, uh, and, it, it, this is, and I'm just saying, by this is by the slimmest of margins for me, Huss. I think mm-hmm. that Mason Appleton has tremendous appeal to the Seattle Kraken, but I think for the Winnipeg Jets it is more difficult to replace Dylan DeMello than Mason Appleton, and I mean, you're basically talking to um, president of the fan club is not the right term, but I expect Mason Appleton was my breakout player for the Jets this year going into training camp. uh, And he had an exceptional year, right? 12 goals, 25 points. And that included a couple of dry spells late. And this is a guy that is ready to be on the penalty kill full time. He started the year. Once Thompson got hurt, he was on the penalty kill, got taken off. He's ready for more role. He's better for more opportunity. We saw when the Jets were shaking things up, it's Mason Appleton getting a chance in the top six. So I don't think for a second the Jets want to lose him either. What I think, though, Huss, is that it's because of the depth in the organization where you have a Vestaline and you have a Harkins, you have a Gustafson, it's a lot easier for them to replace potentially Mason Appleton than it would be to replace Dylan DeMello because of how thin the Jets are already on the right side. We heard Paul Maurice use the word stacked, which is a relative term, and I know some (laughs) people were turned off by it, but – the Jets are not, sta- you know, where they're not stacked us on the right hand side of the defense. So. But listen,
1: I don't. I'm not. I'm asking this question not from no, no, a I Jets know. perspective, I but know. from a Seattle perspective. And, I think Daniel has guess-
3: huge, huge interest in Seattle. Is what I would say is if he's available. But they would also have a massive interest in Mason Appleton
1: yeah and i think logan stanley as well
3: i mean sure like like,
1: listen i mean the reason why i mean i think those players like dylan DeMello, he never scores he's good in his own end the analytics are good helps other players and he's three million a year for three years appleton or stanley both young players with tremendous upside under team control that you could have longer and Honestly, I mean, listen, I know Vegas went to the cup final in the first year, but what are the Seattle Kraken trying to do? I mean, are they building for the future? Are they trying to do what Vegas did last year? I think that would probably uh, be part of it. Bottom line is, it is an intriguing conversation, and you can have this situation with Winnipeg and change it to the uh, rosters of NHL teams around the league and probably crank out another half hour of content on every damn team in the league yet.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and let me let me also be abundantly clear. Logan Stanley is a player that I see big things on the horizon for. So I don't say this lightly. I think that the Jets could easily protect Logan Stanley. Uh, I think that he has the potential to be a top four defenseman. We know he was sheltered more this year. We know he's got a big shot. We know he's got very good puck skills for a big guy. We know how far his if his skating goes from last year to this year and takes an an incremental leap like it did in the year prior, Logan Stanley is going to be an impact player. Uh, He has that physical edge that the jets don't have an abundance of on the back end either. So, I mean that 's the beauty hus the The debate at that table would be exceptional because there are important qualities for all of those players right that that's that's the problem. This is not a cut and dried case. This is a case where you can make a solid argument for all three players so that's why i mean man that debate that debate room i don't think for a second that that third spot is in pen it's still in pencil even for the winnipeg jets (laughs) they have a month to decide and you could be you know the the whiteout or the eraser is going to get a lot of like there'd be people you know you'd be waking up in the middle of the night one day thinking i've got this figured out and then the next night you wake up at three in the morning and say I completely changed my mind. So uh, I think it's going to be an incredibly difficult choice. That's why I I also think that based on where the Jets are in their window, in terms of their contention window, Hus, I know there would be a lot of teams that say, just take your medicine and lose one good player. Depending on what you're, like you said, what Ron Francis is looking for, you may be more apt to sacrifice Uh, some futures than your present when it comes to a the defense core and b they want to have appleton because they need appleton on that third line in order to you know take a step forward you made the final eight this year if you want to get into the final four and have a have another chance you want all three of those guys so that's why i think there still would be uh, i mean Kevin Sheveldayoff isn't out. He's not going to be out here and saying, Oh, I'm keeping all these guys, Ronnie, uh, come on down and squeeze, (laughs) squeeze everything you can out of our organization. But uh, much like they did last time with Vegas, uh, there was a cost to that. Of course, we know that we, we know what Nick Suzuki's doing. And we know that every time Nick Suzuki's name gets brought up, the 13th overall pick gets brought up because that pick once belonged to the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, given the challenges at the second line center position, that conversation is going to continue happening for quite some time. But uh, I, I do see there being some some maneuverability for the Jets in terms of trying to make it fit. But, I mean, if Ron Francis is holding steady like Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee did, uh, they may just have to take a deep swallow and, uh, you know, take what they take and lose what they lose. But I still, if I had to bet today, Huss, on the old cool bet – I'm betting on a side deal rather than one of those three guys being available.
1: Right on, Weber. Listen, this has been amazing. We went quite long, but uh, I I wound you up uh, and uh, got you going. <laughs> it doesn't quite a take bit. much. Uh, no, it certainly <laughs> doesn't. Um, what are you and the King of the Trampoline, Master of the Headband, Sean Reynolds, have coming up uh, with Kenny and Renny? You guys getting after it after the uh, next Habs Vegas game, or, uh, <laughs>
3: yeah. or w- when will we see the wit and wisdom of the two of you? For sure. So the, the just quick programming note: uh, we were we're kind of. Debating as terms of uh, you know keeping the Friday show going, uh, I think that because we did the two pop-up shows last week with after the exit interviews, uh, we're going to pause the, the the long-form show for the time being. But we'll have a couple of pop-ups around free agency and the draft and and the expansion draft. But right now we're going to hone in on for the remainder of the playoffs. We'll be doing post games. Uh, as far as uh, you know, we'll do this series with Montreal and Vegas, and then we'll continue with the Stanley Cup Final. Just because the uh, engagement level's been high, we saw some of your uh, your followers uh, snuck into the old chat room last night as well. Great to see them down there. So we're going to keep that going for now, and and we'll keep everybody posted on the other shows. But uh, we're kind of letting people breathe. The, the people like you, Hus, who've gone back to rewatch those games and are feeling there, there was—I'm going to tell you—there was a lot of angst in the chat room after Game One. I think people were going for the. Uh, the traditional, uh, you know, the the traditional venting of the Jets' uh, Kenny and Rennie show, and they came to see Vegas and Montreal, and a lot of them were unhappy. But by game two, we sort of, they had a better idea of what to expect. So uh, much more lively and uh, contained chat room for game two as compared to game one, which is a little bit out of control. Uh, I needed the... Uh, the, the chief technical officer uh, muting a few, a few people after game one, but uh, we did give them a little bit wider berth than normal, but uh, we hope that the folks will continue to check it out. Uh, we'll see them Friday night, probably around 10 30 ish with the game starting an hour earlier in Montreal. I think that'll be a benefit to, to keeping a few more folks uh, around when, and they're enjoying some great weather and uh, some great father's day weekend. I mean, uh, no gatherings, except maybe outside, I guess, but uh, enjoy that weather while you can and, uh, and keep well, we enjoying all the know, hockey.
1: We all know why this is happening, because this 9 a.m. <laughs> Friday programming does not does not work very well with 8 a.m. tea times or 36 holes in a day. So wow. uh but, you know, what? listen, I respect it because you're still getting it done. You're still doing it. We're just working everything in. So follow Weebs World for the latest updates on the hashtag Manitoba Golf Tour 2021. Uh, maybe we'll even get an ace mixed in there. Who knows? You're probably due. It's been a little while. Uh, but anyways, listen, man, we'll look forward to uh, the show. And uh, this was a lot of fun. And uh, if we're able to have conversations like this, June 17th, just still with the playoffs hanging around how are things going to be when we get into a couple more weeks finishing up the playoffs going into the draft expansion draft and whatnot uh lots for us to talk about here in winnipeg sports talk and of course uh with you and reynolds thanks for doing this dude uh, we'll catch up again very soon
3: my pleasure huss thanks for having me and you, you know i have a few blue jays thoughts on what's been happening on the uh, triple triple crown front and the uh, the uh, fire gas can bullpen activity uh, I, i've been enjoying the alec Manoa starts but uh, there's been a lot
1: everything other than the bullpen
3: it's no it's it's also an attack on fundamental baseball it's a (laughs) flat out attack we got errors we have poor base running uh man it it, but it's it's fun you know this it's fun to be a blue jays fan again because they're an exciting team Uh, they are finding new ways to lose on an almost daily basis but uh they're a fun team to watch they got some great offensive talent Uh, can't wait for pearson to get back up in the show and Man, it's uh, the animation uh, was up in full force with Ross Stripling yesterday as well. You know, he's quite embarrassed by uh, his you know showing up Joe Panic, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think that not, it was not just, a good
1: not, look for Chicken Strips.
3: No, and and again, especially a guy who's very cal- calm demeanor, especially right. He's a, he's the calm demeanor king. But uh, man, it, we we have lots to talk about all at all times, hus And it won't be long before there'll be uh, you know NFL talk, and there'll be more. You know, we'll have schedule things to discuss, but. Uh, always enjoy well, bomber season two. I mean, oh, that's exactly. the other and that's great, great, great so, news, right? Great listen, news. We
1: could go three or four hours right now, really, if we want to get into it, but and uh, also, sorry,
3: I'm with you in terms of Brooks and what I, and what I also want to say is if, if, if the, if they called the agent and the agent gave the thumbs down, the thumbs down to the agent of, of DeChambeau, because that pairing needs to happen on the weekend. Yeah. Let it, let the stars line up that those two guys are going head to head on Saturday or Sunday, because as we like to say, give the people what they want. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Let's let it happen. And I can tell you a little, another golf update for breezy. Ben Brooks did get up to minus four. He's given one back. He is at three under par along with Xander Shoffley, Patrick Rogers right now, top of the leaderboard minus four. And, um, and, and man, we're going to have tons of prime time golf tonight too. Can, because this is at Torrey Pines. They had the fog delay today. We should be good watching live golf till about ten o'clock tonight, so I can't wait. Let's do this again very soon, my man. Thanks for uh, thanks for the time. People loved it. Appreciate
3: you having me. Have a great weekend, my man. Cheers.
1: Areas Ken Weeb at Weeb's World. Kenny and Rennie, if you're with us, I just saw Phyllis. I say was very enjoying Ken's visit. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the Kenny and Rennie channel. Check out the boys after uh, the game tomorrow night. Uh, many birthday wishes for Ken Weeb as always. That would that would come in. Um, Lots of people loving it, and i got to give a shout-out to John Ohm. Great show, Winnipeg Sports Talk. My first one, I like it. John, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and uh, join us. We're here every day, Monday to Friday, and if you miss the show, you can always get it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you are listening on the podcast, hook your boys up, give a little rating, and a uh, five-star rating and a review would be greatly appreciated. Um, Well, tonight, I I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be cranked back reclined watching the U S open and all the action. I can't think of anything better than go with that than um, a couple pizzas and some wings. And for that, we go to our friends at Boston pizza. Uh, of course, we're counting down the days until we can get back into the Boston pizza lounges with each other, sharing some schooners and some great pizzas. But for the meantime, we'll settle for the game day meal with the meteor pizza, the spicy pierogi pizza, and the two for the case of those amazing BP wings. Also, if you're not looking for something that big, check out the Pizza Flights. Um, really, really cool. Three specialty pizzas, six-inch versions, three different dips, a um, little bit of around the world of the Boston Pizza menu all in one. BostonPizza.com order online, call your local store for delivery and takeout right now and let's keep on supporting our restaurants while they are shut down for dining in. Um, Aikens Lake, of course, can't wait to get out there a little later on this season. World-class fly-in fishing lodge right here in Manitoba. Find out more at akenslake.com or hit them up on Twitter at Aikens Lake and maybe we'll see you out there a little later on for some world-class fishing on the water in less than two hours from the province of Manitoba. And, I shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs, a wild one last night. And I'll get Remus in for this because um, we both had a nice win early on uh, and we're getting ready for races six and seven. And I know Remus was tuned in live on the YouTube channel and uh, we had a bit of a mishap Rem, which um, meant that race six and seven ended up being returned. So we've got a couple extra bucks to be betting either on the weekend or on Monday.
2: Yeah, I was tuned in. I have a lot of fun hanging out with everyone in the uh, Cineboy Downs YouTube. Uh, if you want winners, I'm like five of my last... I, th- I think I'm six of last <laughs> How my did you last do last seven. night? Fill us in. Fill I- us in. I went two for two on the races that ran, and then they had that canceled one, so I was doing pretty well. And then I was all fired up, and um, the power went out. They didn't have any lights, and uh, they just can't... The horses were tightening up, so they said, you know what Let's count. I put them in the stable... We're trying to stay loose, running you know, walking around. But then it's like a
1: starting pitcher, you know, yeah. getting an inning in and then, you know, having a three hour rain delay and not wanting to put him back on the bump I but, guess. Uh, Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So uh I don't know how it works,
2: but I then I had some money left over because my bets got cancelled, so I started betting on Emerald Downs, uh, outside <laughs> Seattle.
1: Uh, any luck there are you Uh, dominating the other races uh, and the other courses as well
2: it's a bit tough i'm not familiar with all the horses at emerald downs i'm just learning so
1: i got Uh, my first triactor of the season for the duel at the downs which was a nice one and um you know had a couple re-returns so i'll be ready for the weekend and we'll be ready for monday Uh, of course monday tuesday wednesday live racing at assiniboia downs asdowns.com for all the information. But where you really want to go if you want to hang with us and bet on the races is hpibet.com um, every day, seven days a week, racing from around the world, which you can bet on and watch. And right now, while there's no fans in Cinnaboy Downs, fire up the ASD YouTube channel and make a little wager at uh, HPIBet and um, enjoy it all from the uh, from the comfort of your own home. Can't wait for Monday. Big thanks to Assiniboia Downs for their support of the program. Uh, Remo, let's get to the Cool Bet lines for today. And uh, listen, uh, we all know that this is one of the biggest weeks, the majors for golf, one of my favorite betting weeks of the year. I've been entirely focused on the golf leading into tee-off right now. Uh, We do have still some potentials for the round one betting, the still matchups for the afternoon rounds. And I'm looking. Um, they've also still got updated live U.S. Open numbers. Brooks Kepka right now five to one to win the tournament. Uh, Shoffley nine to one. John Rahm is still at eleven. Bryson DeChambeau DJ at seventeen as well. So you um, have got a bunch of numbers in there. You can check it all out for the U.S. Open. Meanwhile, tonight's game in the National Hockey League: the Lightning. Minus 127 favorites on the road at the Coliseum against the New York Islanders, plus 113 for the Islanders at home. And in the NBA tonight, one game, it is the Brooklyn Nets looking to bounce the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks at home, minus five and a half point favorites. It'll be KD and injured James Harden, no Kyrie Irving tonight. Uh, Of course, you can bet on all the games at coolbet.com. And if you've never been there before, Use promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. You can also check our tweets from the at Sports Talk WPG Twitter feed. We'll have a link uh, daily coming up out after the show. Uh, Rima, you got a feel about this game tonight? Uh, You know, the Coliseum is going to be rocking. It's been interesting to see how much that line has dropped. Tampa was a much bigger favorite when it opened. I think a lot of people are slowly but surely believing in the New York Islanders, despite their loss in game two of the series. Who's the Islanders coach
2: again? Barry, Barry Trotz. Barry The Trotz train. All Wha- aboard. Ooh, ooh. What does Barry Trotz do?
1: Win games? I'm taking the, taking the Islanders. <laughs> that that simple. I would love it. That's going to be a great scene, uh, man. the The atmosphere. I know we've talked a lot about Vegas with the full house, but holy smokes, has the, the Nassau County Coliseum been incredible over the past few weeks? As the Islanders have got to their second consecutive NHL Final Four, a rematch against the Lightning, and now last year they lost in six. This year they've got the split coming home. They'll look to get a big win tonight. And we'll look forward to it. I mentioned the underdogs just quickly to wrap up from yesterday. We talked a lot about the Habs big win remote in the NBA there. If you had just parlayed the three underdogs in the playoffs last night on the money line, I can't imagine how big the odds would have been because the Hawks were, I want to say seven point underdogs. The Clippers were eight point underdogs without Kawhi Leonard. Paul George really did morph into playoff P for the first time dropping 35 points in a huge road win for the Clippers. And then, dude, this this Philly-Atlanta game was absolutely bananas. They had a 26-point lead with three minutes left in the third quarter and lost the game. I mean, that is the biggest blown lead in a long time in an NBA playoff game. And a tough look for Doc Rivers, who had his Clippers last year blow 19 and 21 point leads in the playoffs but this one took the cake and man to do it in such an important game at this point in the series could be devastating for Philly Joel Embiid was rolling early but just did not have any gas in the tank in the fourth quarter now how about that Remus the Atlanta Hawks could be going to uh, the conference finals and potentially all the way to the NBA finals don't think a lot of people had that on the card even a month or two ago
2: no, and Trey Young for them emerging as a superstar. Uh, watch out for this, uh, this young stud. So, uh, pretty cool Atlanta. I can't remember the last time they were any good. No, like I can't. Like early nineties. I have no. I have no idea. So, well, and the coolest thing yeah. about Trey Young.
1: I mean, he'll always be connected to Luka Doncic, who has turned into one of the greatest players on the planet very early. And Young's in that conversation earlier. You know, in the NBA, when they do trades on draft day, the teams actually have to select the players first and they get the hat of the wrong team. And then later on, their rights are traded. No idea why they haven't rectified that. But yeah, it was Luka Doncic going to the Hawks, Trey Young going to the Mavericks. That trade happened and both teams look pretty happy with their young players. Absolute studs right now. But Trey Young's still in the playoffs and still getting it done right now. We'll see if KD can lead the Nets to the conference finals tonight with a win in Milwaukee. Um, what else is going on tonight, Reem? Uh, anything else that you need to get off your chest before we finish up? Another fun show here on the station? Uh,
2: there were a couple notes. I guess we can get to, you know, we went pretty long with Ken. I was wanted to go through this NHL power or NHLPA uh, power pull where they pulled all the players and... Ask them who their favorite uh, best dressed player was, but uh, I'm sure, I thought figured you'd you'd want to mention uh, Madden announcing their uh, cover for this year. Uh, yeah, they the two goats. do with the goats. Patrick Mahomes is he the youngest person to be named a goat ever? Uh, I think Simone Biles actually maybe is younger than him, but in football, I would say Patrick Mahomes um,
1: is definitely. Tiger uh, Tiger got to be goat status pretty darn early. Yeah. That's I mean, Mahomes true. is now 24, 25 right now. He's got the MVP. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got all the numbers. Um, listen, we're going to get into some NFL talk when we get closer to camp. Um, this is going to be a great season. And I think Mahomes is going to be absolutely possessed after the way the Chiefs lost in the Super Bowl. Uh, the line's mm-hmm. been rebuilt. They've added some pieces to areas of great concern coming out of that loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, all I want is a rematch against Brady one more time in the Super Bowl. It should be great. But yes, pretty cool, pretty cool Madden cover. They did the ad with the big goat and the baby oh, goat yeah. coming out of the barn, and now Brady and Pat Mahomes will be on the cover of Madden. And even though often I'll buy the game and only play it a few times and then get into hockey or other games, I'll certainly be purchasing this one again. And usually the games I just you know buy online now, but... This is the one game where you kind of like to have the cover, the MVP edition. There they are, the two Super Bowl quarterbacks from uh, February back in Tampa.
2: Yeah, I used to be all about uh, buying the games and having the disc, but um, I just buy them on the console now. Um, I realized, Hus that I am way too lazy to get up and change the game. It is so much easier just having them on my PlayStation and not having to change the discs. So I, I stopped buying the discs.
1: It's way, uh, yeah, way and, easier. And then I have to get yeah, up and no, leave the house. No, I'm with you. Um, but I wouldn't mind just for this one with my guy, Mahomes, on the cover. Um, shout out to our guy, Sean Lischka. The Gitch is here. Don't forget, folks. I think we've got one more day of voting for Steinbach's Manliest Man. Uh, and if you do ever listen to, I, I'm not familiar with it, but 107 Country in Steinbach, I'll be on the morning show discussing what makes a, ma- a man... <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face. What makes a manly man? And um, our guy, Gitch, Rima, why don't you go down to Sean L and just make sure if the people that are watching on YouTube can see the great photo that, that Sean has put up. And for those thinking that Sean, you know, is one of these guys that just did like a wacky, funny picture to, you know, post for the manliest man. That's not just, I mean, that's not a special picture. That's not even dressed up. I mean, this is dude twenty four seven three sixty five, and that's why he—that's uh, why he's the best. So uh, you can give him a follow on Twitter, Gitch Lishka, for some funny stuff. But yeah, go to the Manliest Man thing at back Online. Click vote. You just got to make sure you're a human. You can do it every hour if you're bored while you're watching golf today. Throw a boy. The Fernando Army is strong. He's been growing big time. So we've got to try and get Gitch back in there right at the buzzer. Um, and it's going to basically do it for us, Raymond. Tomorrow should be fun. We'll be able to get into some more U.S. Open talk, a little more on the playoffs, of course, heading into the weekend. Ken brought up the Blue Jays. I do want to spend a little bit more time on the Jays. And, of course, we have our good friend, one Jim Toth, coming back on. And, can't think of a better way to get into the weekend than JT coming on. He is he will it will be the definition of a fun Friday show on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh yeah, Jim always has
2: uh, well-reasoned takes that aren't far-fetched at all that everyone can get on board with. So I know Jim is uh is going to be great.
1: <laughs> each one let's go. gotta walk the walk and talk the talk thanks guys uh you got it jim toth is the ex of carrie underwood oh that's interesting <laughs>
2: hey, hey uh, what did you say by the way i was wondering what did you say were the qualities for a manly man on that radio station do i just have to tune in
1: well you can have to t- well no i mean first of all I, I he said so what did you think about this uh the steinbeck online manliest man con- uh competition and i said Well, I mean, obviously, I thought it was a joke. I mean, I'm still not really sure if this is supposed to be serious or not. But for the purpose of conversation, let's go forward. And I was basically trying to position it to support Gitch on it. So when they asked me what a manly man is, I said, well, listen, guys, I don't really care about your axe picture or your big fish that you caught. Uh, To me, a manly man is one that has the self-confidence to be themselves and uh, and brighten others days which of course sean does so we sort of went down that creep. but as i said like i don't know whether we could get away with a manliest man competition in winnipeg sports talk no i know you'd be worried that we'd get canceled for that yeah you can't do that we have to be uh, we have to include everyone hey listen this is it's 2021 we're on the internet we go by one motto on this program dgc baby dgc what's that don't get canceled Oh,
2: I, I'm afraid of getting every. You know, we got a Twitter account with like 12,000 followers. I am so afraid every time I send a tweet. Am I gonna get canceled if I send this? I'm my biggest fear. I'm afraid of saying stuff on the show because uh, if I say the wrong thing, someone's gonna clip it and I'm done. I'm canceled. I won't be able to DGC, leave the house. Maybe,
1: maybe maybe that'll be our first. Maybe that'll be our first custom Winnipeg Sports Talk T-shirt.
2: Yeah, speaking DGC. of that, yeah, the merch store it's coming soon. So uh, store Sign up, put your email in there, and we will let you know about the big grand opening. So, yeah, uh, exactly. Tuned.
1: We've got some stuff coming. We want to make sure the stuff's all good. We're gonna be getting that in a few days. And then uh, we'll be able to show you some pictures of everything, launch it. But um, where was that again? Because people can go and just put in their email, and then as soon as we're live, remote they'll get a notification yeah. and they can
2: get on and be the first ones. Exactly. So store.com. There is a link in the chat for the podcast <laughs> you can take that in
1: eric gotta have weebs shocked face on a shirt yeah <laughs> that would be amazing at what point actually this is a great a great thing that eric brought up and maybe this is an idea that you know will take us to great fame fortune and riches but how soon are we remo from being technologically able to put a gif on a t-shirt
2: uh, actually my son has a t-shirt where like, if you, if you turn it, it looks like a different thing. So isn't that kind of like the early GIF? Well, yes, exactly. Like that, you remember those is right. Remember those McDonald's hockey cards? Um, you like looked at him and like, would be like Pavel Bure, like jumping over the goalie. I have them here. I can bring them out, but like, I think you could do that. That like, would
1: be amazing. That would mean the Ken Weeb GIF into a shirt yeah. that changes depending on how yeah, you're de- looking at it. Yeah, Listen, yeah, yeah. Eric, you're giving us some good ideas. You're giving us some very, very good ideas. Um, Gitch is get saying, yes, Fernando's legion of supporters is unmatched. Well, we're going to try and get the WST mm-hmm. army at least pumping you up. Um, and who knows? Like, I don't even know. Did they just finish the voting and that guy wins? Or then do they have some finalists for a man off? Um, you know, oh, they, man. they bring. <laughs> hey, actually, speaking you know. of man, we were talking about how much the Jets love
2: saying uh, players are are men. David Gustafson was drafted. He was a 19 a year old and of the man's body. Uh, so we put that on the man counter counter <laughs> from, it. from Ken.
1: Uh, yeah. And uh, someone said Jim Toth believes that he is the manliest man. We'll definitely talk about he that is. with him tomorrow amongst uh, amongst many other things. Um, great show today. Awesome stuff with Justin Dunk right off the bat. Love talking CFN. We'll have much more of that as we get closer to training camps and the upcoming season. We'll also check in with the Bombers as soon as we have information on ticketing policies, how things are going to work. We'll have that for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And then of course, Weber, man, we wound him up today. He was just, I mean, he was getting after it, all sorts of great content on the playoffs right now. And then we went down the rabbit hole of the Winnipeg Jets off season and the expansion draft that you're just popping in right now folks uh if you have there, oh there's samuel 22 sam good luck to the habs big win last night great to see you still here after that round um hit that like button folks if you wouldn't mind on your way out if you haven't already uh tell a friend about winnipeg sports talk whether it's showing them how to download the podcast or joining us on youtube and make sure you've hit that red subscribe button Big thanks to all of our sponsors, policyme.com. Don't forget, if you get there, make sure when they ask you how you've f- heard about policyme.com, hit the podcast. And Nick and Nikki DQ, Father's Day, just around the corner, at any of the four DQ stores or online or on Instagram at DQ Manitoba, and you get that Father's Day DQ ice cream cake ordered for Dad in time for the weekend. Of course, Royal Sports, another great spot to uh, shop for Dad for Father's Day. Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug. You can order for Dad online at littlebrownjug.ca. Breezy Bend, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, with Jim Toth and much more on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Folks, enjoy another gorgeous day in Southern Manitoba, and we'll see you tomorrow on WST. Have a great night. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks
0: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.